Welcome to Chronic Curiosity. Uh, this episode was um, <laughs> technical difficulty spewed all over it. Uh, there is no video. There was, but there wasn't. It was a disaster. The audio is messed up in the beginning, but we figured it out. At least we have the audio. Uh, enjoy Dean Leach, who is a uh, fantastic soul. Hopefully we'll see him again soon. Thank you for saying all those things that's so kind i don't know and um, I'm, I'm just i'm just trying to survive uh, Dan, hold on one second um, so when i restarted yeah. everything i screwed it all up yeah um, so it wasn't recording you at all <laughs> well, so we, can, back, we can restart again so here we go yeah. dan leach yeah. is with us and we just talked for like <laughs> five minutes and I screwed stuff up. Um, it is recording you now. I can see it clearly, man. I'm sorry. This whole thing has been, um, a whole disaster because with at least the last hour has been, because I haven't been able to figure all the things out. The video is going to be, you know, choppy. Um, but the audio seems to be clear. It looks like you're recording now. Um, I just went on a five minute spiel about how awesome of a person you are and, how the first time, um, you know, we met, I, Tony had told me that you were a person that just, you feel like, you know, um, and I can subscribe to that. And it was a fantastic experience, you know, walk in the door. Like I, like I just said, literally, this is, this is so weird. I've never done this before. We're like, it didn't work out. And like, I'm repeating myself 45 seconds later and I feel like a complete idiot. Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but it, you know, I, I asked you, you know, what do you think that is that just makes you, you know, have that aura where people just feel like they know you. Um, and then you kind of deferred to asking Tony because you wish you could answer that. So really rough start there, but, um, you know, it's, you, you're, you're a special breed and that's, that's why you're here. And we've talked about you before. So um, I, wherever, wherever we were at before I interrupted you, um, we, you know, in, in, in the time it took us to restart, I think I came up with a theory. Okay. So I'm, I'm still going to defer to Tony because again, <laughs> I think, I think maybe, I think maybe others see us more clearly than we see ourselves. That's a, that's a, a theory I've held for a while, but I was thinking about it. You know, I'm, I'm an introvert. Like I'm, I'm, I'm a, a painfully and, and always have been a painfully, uh, sort of interior person, um, shy, reserved. Um, and so maybe, maybe it's a form of overcompensation. I don't, I don't know. Maybe, maybe, um, maybe there's the sense that I'm reaching out because at the same time that I, I love people. And I, I love connecting with people, but at the same time, I have to be strategic about it. I have to sort of prompt myself to do it because I'm a my my spirit animal is a turtle, and I, I will <laughs> climb into my shell or find find the corner of a room or find some way to hide in any social situation uh, because of how deeply uncomfortable connection makes me. Th- though I love it and I want it, if that's if oh, that's no, okay I, as a you, as a contradiction. <laughs> Yeah, you're honestly right now you're uh, you're preaching to the choir because that is yeah. that's me, um, and we've talked about it a handful of times where I never would have done this right now. This starting a podcast and 
let alone recording it and putting it out there. And, um, you know, and my wife's even mentioned it that weekend that we were down in North Carolina playing music with, uh, yourself and Erica that, you know, she saw something switch, you know, another little tiny, one of my many switches that have been flipped throughout the years. Uh, you know, she saw something flip there that she had never seen me in that setting like that. And honestly, I had never seen me in a setting like that. So I can, I can totally understand where you're coming from as far as really enjoying it, but you have to put yourself, you have to put yourself there because <laughs> it's not yeah. easy to just to find, I don't find myself there where I feel like Tony finds himself in himself in those situations where he's just like, all right. <laughs> I, I think, uh, I think for you, Dan, you, you have this weird ability, man, to like, to kind of like see yourself and others. And so when you're, when you're able to do that, I think then people become more comfortable and they see some of themselves in you. And then I think they, they feel like they've met you at some, some point in their life or they've met someone that reminds them of you. Um, if that makes sense. Sure. Sure. Well, it is, isn't it true that d- despite, and I, I think we are living in a time that's sort of intent on highlighting differences. I, I think we're sort of obsessed with demarcations and, um, are, are you in this category or in this category? And, and how, how can we, how can we break people into groups? Isn't it still true that we have more in common than we do uh, indifference? Um, I don't. I don't. I don't know. I swivel between these worlds. I mean, academia is 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 one world, and then I uh, I come home to like you know these small neighborhoods in South Carolina, and I go to church, and then I, I you know I, I call people, and it's all these worlds are so disparate, and yet it's it's never hard to kind of see over a wall and, and connect with people. Is that, has that been y'all's experience? Yeah, it is. And I think you, you really hit on it where I've it's, and I don't, my, my problem is, is I like to, to understand the root causes of things. Ooh. Yeah. And I, and I don't know why everything is so divisive. You know, and I think that's a, a huge reason why we we started doing this was, you know, you know, I don't know if it there's so many factors and and to just blame it on one thing, I think is is silly. Uh, you know, either social media where people are, you know, literally living their lives off of screens and those thirty second clips or those, you know, thirty second interactions and to be able to just sit down and have a you know, an open conversation for hours is something, you know, people don't do and they think, well, you know, I'll go to my friend's house. We'll, you know, have a, you know, bonfire, you know, go to the bar and have a conversation with somebody, but there's, there's never like a, you know, unbroken conversation that just goes and that just organically occurs. And maybe there is, and maybe I've just never been parts of them, (laughs) you know, and, uh, and I'm just now finding that the, you know, being fascinated by that and having those discussions with people, but, um, it, it seems like we have been more divided, you know, than we have been in, you know, years and years. And, and then I also asked the, the question of maybe that's just because I'm getting older and I can see it, 
you know, I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Maybe I was just 20 and I didn't see how stupid people were. And now I'm, you know, mid thirties and I'm like, wow, people can be really stupid sometimes. <laughs> so you know, like I, you know, is there more of it or am I just realizing that they're yeah. it's there? You know, I don't, I don't know, but it is, there's, there's, I think, I think it's safe to say this year, um, things are particularly bad with relationships between people that, that have those small disagreements. But, you know, like you said, we're, we're all just humans. We're all trying to get through life and be happy at the end of it. You know, that's why. Yeah. <laughs> we, we, we were talking before, um, we, in the unrecorded session, um, about the ways in which media can reduce a narrative into something that is, that is very clean and very tidy. Um, and because it's so clean and because it's so tidy and, and lacking in nuance, it moves, right? And we were, I think we were talking about the Me Too movement in particular. And this, it's, there's almost an aversion to being able to hold two contradictory ideas, right, right? In, in the same conversation, um, that, that, a, that a system such as Hollywood is incredibly abusive and, and riddled with, with predators, um, but that also um, men are misrepresented. Men are often misunderstood. And um, I know in some of my conversations, it's like we don't, Fred, I love that you, you talked about like, it just takes time. It takes, it, there's a conversation that is, is a longer, messier, uh, more uncomfortable conversation where we can talk about both of those realities Whereas like the easy conversation is uh, men, men are villains and, you know, we're, we're going to cancel anyone who gets in our way. Um, and so that's why I think the work that you guys are doing is so important is because where, where else, where else do you have the two hour or the three hour conversation where um, you can, you can sort out all the nuance, you know, and you, you could say something stupid and get corrected or you could say something, uh, something undeveloped and then be given time to like complicate it or subvert it or add to it. We just don't make space for that anymore. Do we? Yeah. All right. (laughs) It says it. So it's like everything that I'm thinking, he just tidies it up and just puts it in a package. And it's like, here, this is how you should say it. (laughs) It's going to be like uh, on key and peel. When he was the president, when he was Obama, and he had the translator on his shoulder. Oh, that's that's gonna be Dan on his shoulder. Dude, it is everything. It's 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 insane. Yeah. It's, like you say all those things, and it's like, guess it's exactly what I'm thinking. I have a very difficult time articulating those things as well. Um, but I think that's a. I guess to me, in my own mind, I've kind of thought, you know, it's when I hear people say like, oh, like your shows have done this, or this conversation that you had about this is really, you know, really, you know, touched me or really, you know, made me think. Um, and then to hear you say the work that we're doing, um, most of the time it's just drinking all this bourbon and having a great time, but (laughs) you know, you can't do, you can't do both. (laughs) Yeah. And that's (laughs) what you, yeah. Like, and being able to have those long form conversations and being able to make mistakes. And, uh, you know, I think we mentioned it before we started recording is, you know, how do we, how do you make a mistake and be able to come back from that? Because I mean, you think about it as humans, like we, as a child, you make a mistake. I mean, you're, you're learning. You don't, you don't make, you don't learn very much without making mistakes. So how are, you know, how, how can we start doing that for adults? You know, make a mistake. Well, here's why this is a mistake. And 
here's what we can do about it. You know, I think is an important piece of that. And it's, there's just so much that that gets muddled, you know, and to be able to talk about those nuances and, you know, I don't think three hours is nearly long enough to figure out, you know, how the world works, but it's, it's better than, you know, tweeting somebody and whatever it is, like 150 characters and that's all you got and expecting to understand someone's, you know, point on that. Yeah. I I had a conversation with a good friend of mine. She's um, an incredibly talented writer and and feminist and academic. And um, we were talking about a man who had sort of been disgraced through the Me Too movement um, through what now appear to be questionable allegations and I put that question to her fairly directly. I said, what is it, so what does it look like for him to recover? And um, she's she's way too civil to like raise her voice or, or be like overtly aggressive. But um, in, in, a very, in a very intense way, she informed me that like, that's not what this moment is about. Like this, this moment, this was back in 2018 um, or maybe 2019, um, she seemed to think, and I, I hear this a lot, that that a moment, that when we have a moment and we can spotlight an issue, um, that it can only be one voice or one narrative. Because um, c- she said, I, I don't want to, like, that's not, I'm not interested in that. That's not, um, that's not what this is for. Like, this is for hearing victims or this is for making systemic reform. Um, and I, I wonder if, again, if we're doing sort of the work of reduction, right? We're, we're sort of saying that a moment can't hold two stories or three stories or four stories, that we can't hold more than one idea and then just sit in the tension created by that. Um, because again, we, we were talking about this before we hit record, that writer, in, that man in question um, was falsely accused. And so the, there was an enormous amount of damage done to his, his career and his reputation and now we've sort of moved on, and um, I, I don't know what it looks like to recover him. I, I, I don't know that there is a, a prescription for that. No one ever considers the, the person dealing with the fallout after, you know, particularly when they're falsely accused. I think that's yeah, that's scary to think about. Um, and I think Horrifying. that's – Yeah. Yeah, and I think a lot of people consider that now where, you know – and, and maybe it's a good thing um, in, a, in a sense. I think there are some good things to take out of that is, you know, when you come to, you know, classifying a certain type of person, uh, you, you know, there are groups that have been classified in certain categories. And, you know, sometimes other people that haven't ever had that need to understand that, hey, this happens on a daily basis to this group or, you know, these people think this about, you know, there's so much going on. Um, around the world that I think a lot of people are insulated from, particularly in the United States. You know, sure, we have a sure. lot of problems for sure. We have a, a ton of problems that need fixed, but there's a lot of problems around the world that, you know, we, we, I think we find ourselves bickering about, you know, issues that they may be important. I'm not saying they're not important, but I mean, there's a lot of things around the world that might be deemed a little more important you know, it's like, yeah, having the, you know, the family that, that complains about what they're eating for dinner that night because they don't, you know, one kid doesn't like macaroni and cheese and they throw a fit and they're not going to eat. But, well, there's a family right next door that doesn't have anything to eat. So 
you know, let's, let's kind of weigh, you know, our situation and, and try to keep that in focus, I think is, is an important thing that, that we're, that we've lost, you know? Yeah, for sure. What has, um, what has the, uh, what is the pandemic? You mentioned focus and the, like this sense of perspective as far as, um, other people suffering and what is and what isn't important. Um, how has the pandemic or has the pandemic affected your sense of perspective and focus? What about you, Tony? You, 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 I think feel like you've ran down a, a different path this year along with myself as well. But yeah. And mine was a little bit different. Mine's less the pandemic and more my job, I think just because okay. of the differences in kind of the socioeconomic status and with those differences through the socioeconomic status f- from the pandemic, it, it made me acutely aware of, you know, some of the, the disparities between these people and, and these people and some of the hardships and how important some of these uh, stimulus packages are and the extended unemployment uh, and just crazy stuff, man. We hear statistics about money and it's not that I don't ever think about money, um, but you know, that people, if, if they had something large pop up, a large expense, and in this particular article, it was like $400. It was like 30 or 40% of people couldn't come up with $400. And I was like, right. I was like, dude, what is going on, man? Like there's something's going on. And you kind of have to ask like, why is that, man? Why is that? Like, take it back all the way. Is that parents? Is that school? Is that, you know, some teaching kids, you know, prudency and spending and finance or I don't know, man. So to me, just, you know, the disparities in, in, you know, socioeconomics, my eye was, it was opened, opened up even more, number one, because of the position I'm in. And number two, I think because of the, uh, you know, increasing, like I said, increasing disparities in the pandemic where it, it seems like either people are just, they're hit super hard and they don't have money or they're flourishing. Like they, they just, you know, sure. they have more money now because they're staying home and they're not commuting and they don't have to spend money on, on gas or whatever it is. So uh, I think that, you know, not, not that I didn't know that that existed, I guess the rich and the poor, the, the classes, but I think it's just, it's amplified now even more. Yeah, that's for sure. And I think it's, it's been, per- a lot of things have been perpetuated by it and it's, it's so wild to because this is something that we haven't ever we've never dealt with but then it's like well you know should there's a lot of people saying that well maybe this shouldn't have been as extreme the things that that have happened and you know the lockdowns and all these different things but i think for me the biggest thing out of it it has kind of opened my eyes to to taking that more nuanced perspective of all right just one thing isn't just this thing because it looks like this thing or somebody says it is this thing, you know, Sure. I want to find out what is this thing for myself? Um, you know, I've made the joke a ton of times on the podcast, the flat earth. I don't know that the earth isn't flat or it's round because I haven't seen it because I haven't done the research. You know what I mean? I, I haven't been in space to see it with my own eyes, you know, and I, right. I make the joke, but it's, you know, quite, I guess hyperbolic to say the least, but at the same time, it's not like, I don't know. So I think this year, so many things have, have really, when I hear something, it's, you know, and I always was, I was told, you know, when I was young, um, and it not to, this isn't connected with the, 
um, the, you know, the me too discussion we had, but it's, uh, there's his story, there's her story. And then somewhere absolutely, there's the truth, you know, and it might be a lot of times on the side of this side or that side, or it might be in the middle, or it might be neither of their stories and they're both liars, but I don't want to pass judgment on either of them until I do my due diligence and really try to understand what's going on. And I think, you know, across the board with, you know, the pandemic and, you know, social issues and all these things that, you know, we need to, at least in in my perspective, we need to just stop. We need to stop listening to the very first thing we hear and go, "Mm, really? Is that the truth? Like, what's the points behind here? What's the facts? Like, what's, what's the details? General overall lacking, uh, common sense is one huge thing that I mean, (laughs) what in the world? Like I I know that, and I'm not saying I have the most common sense ever, but people just aren't even, they don't possess, you know, that hermeneutic of suspicion. It's just gone, man. It's not there. Like, Hey, let's, uh, and I'm not saying you shouldn't do these things, but the whole, you know, put the mask on the, the, the distancing thing, the shutting, you know, States down for, I, I think there's reasons for all those. And I've heard actually great explanations for them, but you know, when people blindly subscribe to certain things or they believe something without even questioning it or government officials who I don't think they, you know, I don't, I don't think they have a clue. And then instead of consulting experts or, or at a minimum explaining things like Florida, you know, with just kind of opening up the state, I'm not saying that was a bad thing or a good thing, but, you know, at least take the time to explain, you know, this is the, the predicted mortality rate if we don't do anything, this is a predicted mortality rate. If, you know, we do something, but all these people end up losing their jobs and suicide rates go higher, mental health rates go higher, abuse, all these things, and kind of paint that picture for society to see. But just that lack of common sense was was just sure. amplified, yeah. magnified, whatever you want to call it. So I think the scary thing, too, is not even the lack, I mean, the lack of common sense is the first, but when you question the lack of common sense or you just question the experts, you know, maybe they're right, but this, the second, it's not even saying that they're wrong. It's just asking the question, well, is, is that really true? And there's been so much of a, just as soon as you ask the question, it's, you're just, you know, tarred and feathered and like canceled, like, wait, I'm just asking a question here. Like, I just want to know, like, you know, it's, it's yeah. dangerous. There, there's this, there's an, an immediate and uncritical acceptance of, of policy and of ideology. But Tony, we were even talking, you, you see it in the language, you see it in our vocabulary. Yeah. Tony was, was running down these words that, that he just hates hearing because they're, <laughs> they're, if they're, if not empty, then they're just un unchallenged. So we, I mean, you think about a phrase like the new normal oh. or unprecedented <laughs> or echo chamber. I hate that word. That's gaslighting, my- <laughs> systemic. I mean, all of these, you know, even even more fraught terms like privilege. Um, we we weren't really using these yeah. before 2020, at least not in the way that we're using them now. And I, I Fred, I, I love what you said. It's um, are we even stopping to ask what does it mean for our language to be changed? so quickly and so radically and is and should it be right. do we even know what these words mean and when we use them in conversation does does the word privilege mean the same thing to you as it means to me or are we starting a war based off possibly just a misconnection a, a misunderstanding 
Yeah, I think that's a huge thing is that misconnection and misunderstanding. I had my wife, God bless her soul, has uh, taken a beating uh, vocally from me this year, just from all my my ideas that I constantly spit out at her. And she mm-hmm. um, she has has Sounds her like own list of words. Um, she doesn't want to hear nuanced. She hates that one now because I use it so much, you know, and, and things like that where it's, you know, we talk about the definition of words and it's well, I'm using this word per its definition. This is, you know, it's in the dictionary. This is what it means. Well, it will, well, maybe it means something to somebody else. Well, okay. I can semi understand that, but just because you want the definition of a word to be different, doesn't make it. So like, you can't just take a word and say, I'm gonna make a new definition for this. And this is right. And you're wrong. Like, well, we have to come to a general consensus as a, a group of people to, for our language to, to mean the same thing to people or, you know, our language doesn't mean anything. Yeah. And I, and I, I think we need to rethink. So, so language you're, you're thinking about language as like a bonding solution, right? As something that, that offers connection or and, even communication. And, yeah, absolutely. And I, I think about that. I also think a lot about the stakes of language in terms of um, art Right. I mean, we, we all write songs. We all um, we all use language um, as a way to cut. Right. As a way to sort of um, cut into a into a topic or cut into a, a subject matter in a different way. And um, I think a lot that there was a writer named Martin Amos. Um, he was a British writer. And he said, art is war against cliche. And I, I think about cliches that slip into our language and the reason we take to them is because when when it's new and when everyone's using it there's a sort of herd instinct that kicks in and it's like oh i want to i want to say systemic i want to say you know nuanced um and i've got a dozen my wife grills me too i I love that you shared that about about cassie hannah hannah's all over she she catches my repetitions um but i but i love that idea that what what it means to write a good song or, or create a good sentence is actually to go to war against those cliches, against those hollowed and, and trite phrases and to say something true, but to say it in a way that cuts differently. Right. Right. Oh yeah. I think that goes back to our, before we started recording the Zach Bryan discussion, you know, he's, he's yeah. he, um, he's simple, he's raw but when you read his lyrics and you put the, the idea behind them together, it's like, whoa, this guy has something, you know, it's, and we've talked about it before in the podcast too, where it's like, you know, he's, he's rough around the edges, you know, with his lyrics and his writing and everything else. But it's just, you listen to his words and the ideas that, you know, that this person is bringing across and it's, um, you know, it, it's crazy that it's somebody that, you know, isn't some kind of insanely articulate scholar or something, or, you know, philosophers be is able to touch people, you know, in that way. And, um, you know, I made that, I think it was the last one I made the joke about when I first started listening to him, I was like, Oh, it's good. Like a new artist. And then, it, you know, a month later you're crying to the whole album in your bedroom, you know, like, it's like, yeah, you know, and, yeah. and Zach Bryan's one of those people that like, you know, I'll be honest and say it like, I, I, there's not a whole lot of people that have made me cry more than Zach Bryan. And I, I'm not much of a crier. <laughs> like it's, yeah. you know, for someone like that, just out of nowhere 
to use their language to, you know, get around those, you know, those phrases and you so often use things and, you know, just put, yeah. some, put some words together and it just be able to just hit you like a sledgehammer. You're like, Whoa, what was that? Yeah. He's, have you ever heard someone say, you ask him like, what kind of music are you into? And they say everything. And then you, you put a little pressure on them and you're like, no, no, really. Like, give me, give me a favorite genre. Give me a favorite artist. And inevitably they say something to the effect of, you know, I don't really listen to the words. It's, I, I listen to the beat. And I think there's a legitimacy in that. Right. Um, because it, it's like rhythm and, and melody. Like those things are a different form of grammar. I but like I, I think <laughs> <laughs> that's right, man. But I think like someone like Zach Bryant, who Tony, Tony, turned me on to Zach maybe six months ago, he refuses to let you slide, right? If, if, a, if a cliche has no teeth, right, it, it cuts nothing. You just, you're able to slide over it. And if someone were to say like, what is that song about? Or how did it make you feel? I don't know. You know, there, there's just a lot of music. That just it's, it's slick. You just slide right over it. And uh, my wife listens to this stuff when she's, she's an artist and she says, I can't listen to anything that demands too much of me. Like I have to just listen to something that's like slick and empty and catchy. And it's just sort of, I can bop my head to it and work. And then you, you run across someone like Zach Bryan uh, or early Isbel. We were talking about yeah. Isbel from like Southeastern with songs like Elephant. Oh, or, that was or the one I had. I was literally thinking of that song as you said yeah. it. Oh man. It's a, I mean, it's a, there's a novel, there's yeah. an entire novel. There's an entire universe in that song. And it, there's nothing to slide over. It, it refuses to let you slide. It cuts you with every every line. Um, yeah, man. Those are who who else do you guys have, have you been listening to? Who else has been cutting you? I mean, I, I think always uh, the White Buffalo is one of mine. That just, For sure, yeah. it, you know, it, and and, the, and kind of the same way that Zach Bryan does in a sense, they're different. Um, but it's, it's his rawness and it's just something that he's, it, you can tell like this guy's just creating something from his soul, you know, and it's yeah. not just this cookie cutter, you know, whatever rhythm and words it's, you know, he'll go from, you know, anything from like, you know, like an, I am the moon to, you know, he'll talk and like Whistler, you know, or the, um, Oh, what's the one song that he talks about coming back from, from war and, you know, the, the line, uh, I put a pistol to my head just to feel something real. And it's just like, and that song is only like, like a minute and a half long, but that one word is just like, Holy cow. Like to be able to just to consider that. And like, and that's, and that's a reality yeah. for people. And it's just, you know, stuff like that, where he said that the stuff I can't, I can't just slide over. That's, it's pretty, it's a, this guy, no wonder this guy's an author. <laughs> <laughs> yeah tony how about you who have you been listening to not much of anybody to be honest man um more just kind of podcasting stuff obviously a little bit of zach bryan uh got on a little beastie boys kick that was kind of fun (laughs) it's always a good time so but nothing nothing groundbreaking i guess i'll even throw a little um like ryan bingham in there every once in a while Mm -hmm. or um sure but i think like you said it's just when you i i have a really hard time yeah, like I'll go, you know, when I, once I found the white Buffalo, that was, I was really stuck on him for, you know, Jake Smith. I was really stuck on him for a long time. Um, yeah. But to me, it's, I, I do that a lot. It seems like now throughout my past where it's, 
I go so long before really enjoying a new artist because I, I don't feel like there's a whole lot of artists out there that, you know, to use your phrase to, that cut you, you know, like some people do. Um, yeah. And at the same time, having good music, because there's some people that yeah. have great lyrics, yeah. but they're like, ah, oh, your music's not all that great. <laughs> <laughs> you know? But yeah, the Israel yeah. thing was, a, I, you know. I think, I think the older I get, I don't know if you guys are like this, but I, when I was when I was young, maybe like in my teens, it was about discovering new, right? I, I remember I remember being of that generation that had the the P two P downloading stuff, the the, the mm-hmm. LimeWire, the the Kaza, and the the I guess all those post Napster yeah. um, software. After they shut Napster down, <laughs> yeah. And I was I would like I was a fiend. I would just hunt out like new music, and I would I would. Um, I would find a band and then I would try to find bands that are similar to it. And it was, it was about scope. It was about sort of trying to reach the boundaries of a genre. Uh, I would get really into the blues and it would be like, all right, Muddy Waters, Howling Wolf, Son Thomas, you know, just, but, but there was no depth. And the older I get, I'm, I'm also, I'm almost obsessive. If I get a book or an album or a show, I just, I, I loop it. I'm just, I, I sit with it much longer uh, than I did when I was, you know, maybe in my teens and my twenties. Are you guys increasingly like that? Do you, do you, are you compulsive in the way that you listen? Uh, or you read? I'm compulsive. I've been like that my entire life with everything. Um, yeah. But it's my thing is I've talked about too. It's I get to the point where whether it's learning a new skill or learning about something or, or, you know, the music um, it's uh, when I start getting good at it or I start really kind of understanding the concept I'm like, okay, I kind of understand what this is about now. What's next? Let me learn something new. Um, okay. But even like the even like the music, the lyrics, like I guess they've always been like that. Where even when I was younger, um, uh, I used to listen to Three Eleven a lot. But I remember, yeah. I remember catching because there it was catchy, and like, and it was like, okay, it'd bring me back. But then I started listening to some of their stuff that wasn't, you know, on t on MTV when they actually played, you know, music. Um, but like, I remember the one line, it's, it's always stuck with me that they, you know, they said, people want PT, they want AU, you know, let me tell you what you really ought to do. In fact, figure out ways to master silicon fiber optic connectors, whatever's beyond. And I was like, and the very first time I heard it, I was like, what the heck is that? And then I started thinking about it. I was like, oh, well, PT and AU, it's gold that they're element symbols. And I'm like, okay all right, I got to figure out what these guys are about. Like, I need to like, look into this, like this, like, you know, stuff like that, where it's like, wait a minute, yeah. you know, it's not just that surface level stuff, even though, you know, they have a certain, uh, strand of following, <laughs> I'll say, but you know, yeah. they have some stuff like artists like that, that just people that kind of think outside of that box or people that can teach you something or, you know, you know, create a thought experiment in your own head that goes to weird places. I've always kind of, enjoyed that when is, isn't it interesting when an artist can make you do some of the work right they they, they can sort of create a code but they don't they don't hold your hand to crack the code yeah when you do that work it opens up a, a completely different kind of intimacy with that work um that's something i'm always as i write i i want i think we all want so badly to be clear like we're always always striving for clarity and accessibility but if you go too far and you do all the work and there's not, no, no interpretation or no code cracking for the, the listener or the, the reader to do, 
um, it's it's you're really limiting the kind of relationship the 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 audience is going to have with that work. Um, and I too, Fred, was a big 311 fan. I still remember <laughs> remember the navy blue album, and they had the logo smack dab in the center. Yeah, it had it had down yep. as track. Oh, I don't know, three or four. <laughs> um, I used to skateboard at 311 in my little suburban. <laughs> yeah, well, they, they get they get a bad rap, you know, for just um, you know like pothead music or whatever. But I mean, when you break yeah. down some of their lyrics, it's like, oh wow, these. I mean, you know, some of the bands out there that you know they aren't just people out there that are out there partying and playing music. Well, the same thing like uh, with Rage. You know, Tom Morello, well, he graduated from Harvard, right? Like, yeah, the dude's not yeah. a dummy. Um, but talking about artists and and not painting that clear picture, I, I feel like somebody else does that very well. I feel like that's it's, it's got to be Mr. Dan Leach. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I've been I, I I've been reading the uh, through Fire and Floods, and uh, yeah, we got I got it up here. It's on here. See, it's on there. Um, check check that book out if you haven't had a chance. Yeah, listeners. you know I um. Self-admittedly, I am not a fan of short stories. Not genre. Yeah, it doesn't matter. I don't like – I'll even go – I don't really like watching movies because everything's so short and condensed. And it's – you have two two hours to tell this grandiose story. So you got to jam it all in there. Um, Yeah. And so I'm much more of a series kind of person or, you know, a book, long book form and different things. Um, but so I, I'll be honest with you. I, not begrudgingly, but I picked it up and I, I kind of read the, you know, different things. And I've been asking, I forgot that Tony had it. Cause I tried to get it. And when I went to get it at one point, I couldn't. Um, but I read the, you know, the, the summaries on the back or whatever about kind of what it is and some of the things. And I'm like, okay. Like, we'll, we'll get in, like, we'll, we'll see what's up. And I noticed like, it, like each story is only like 10 pages long or so. Yeah. Um, but I read the first one and then the second one and then the third one and then the fourth one. And then, and next thing I know I hadn't gotten up and I'm halfway through the book. <laughs> um, you know, and I realized that sometimes, at least this was kind of my first takeaway from it was, you know, sometimes, a a book or a collection of things maybe necessarily isn't about the, you know, the story or the narrative from beginning to end, but the, you know, the, not only the emotions, but the thoughts and everything it can elicit and pull out of somebody that you don't really realize you're going to have. Um, and I, I was kind of blown away that you do so well in a, such a short little tiny little snippet of a story of being able to, at least for me, being able to pull something out, you know, thoughts and history and, you know, my own past and different things and, and make you think about stuff that you never would have expected to just reading a book. And so I think, you know, that where, like you mentioned the, you know, not spelling it out and, and giving the, you know, the reader or the listener that, that little bit of a room to, you know, kind of have to fill in their own blanks was you know impressively done um and i'm not doing i'm not doing any justice but it's you did (laughs) you're more than doing it justice yeah fred thank you um robert frost has this this famous saying that no one really knows what he meant uh so it's just fun to sit around and, and and guess but he says if you've written a book of 10 poems 
then you've written a book of 11 poems. Um, and so everyone sits around and, you know, what, what is the 11th poem? Um, if you have an album of 10 songs, what is the 11th song? And I love how you said that, Fred. I think for me, the, the, 11th, the 11th poem or the 11th song is what the reader brings to it, right? What, what, what connections the reader is making or what is, um, I've been thinking a lot about this word evoke. I heard a lecturer say that um, in Greek, it comes from the word evokai, which means to summon forth, right? So it was used, um, it, was a, it was a theater term, like if you were an actor and I was a director in, in ancient Greece and I wanted to summon you forth onto stage, you know, I would evokai you. But it was also like this um, supernatural term where like a ghost could be evoked from another world. And um, man, to me, that's the magic of a song or a story, right, is... You know, I'm not Zach Bryant, but when he sings in Godspeed, you know, only God and my mama know what I need. Dude pulls a ghost from my chest. You know, he, he evokes uh, my God and my mom and those tensions um, and, all, and everything that that entails. And so, man, I, I appreciate you say, saying that. I hope, it, I hope it evokes something useful. You know, there, there's a... Um, there's a sense in which we, we go to songs to learn about ourselves, right? We go to, we go to stories to, to see something afresh. So I hope it did that for you in any case. Yeah, I mean, I was, I will say I was, I was thoroughly impressed because when I walked, you know, when I was able to finally put it down, cause I had something I had to go do, um, you know, I, I intended to read it, you know, and I had no, I didn't think it was, it was going to be bad. You know, I, I knew it was going to be good. You know, after meeting you, I'm like, you know what? If this guy writes a book, like it's going to be good, but there's, you know, you can sit down and, you know, listen to a good song or you can sit down and watch a good movie and go, yeah, yeah, that was good. But there's, it's something different when, when you get done reading it or you get done watching it or you get done listening to a song. And the very last thing you're thinking about is what the song was about or what the movie was actually about. And yeah. it's, it, you, it's that human connection. It, it evokes, you know, I think that's a perfect word. And it was, that thoroughly impressed me. And, and later I didn't even realize it until probably an hour or two later when I was still thinking about, you know, those, you know, how those characters are brought forth in it. And it, and it wasn't, it didn't have anything to do with the characters, but it was that interconnection with the families and everything else. It was just like, Oh, Wow. Like, <laughs> it's just good. Well, yeah. So, I mean, like, I, I, like Tony said, I, I, I suggested, I don't know. Can, I mean, while we're on the topic, is it still, where, where can people get that? Can you, is it still in print? Like, can they get the hardcover? Do you have it on like Kindle or anything yeah. like that? Or? Um, you know, I, I think, I think there should be copies on Amazon. I think Amazon, Barnes and Noble, uh, books a million, you know, all these major retailers that have the online shops, um, the, the publisher is university of North Georgia. So I know you can go directly to them and order off their website. Um, yeah, I don't know you. So you said you tried to get it, but you couldn't. You, I, it was, you, it was a while ago. So I, it wasn't recently. Was okay. Yeah, it was a while yeah. ago. I tried to get it when, you know, Tony had told me that, uh, it was coming out. So I looked for it and I couldn't remember if I tried to find it on Amazon it, and it wasn't available at that time or I couldn't get like, you know, the actual, whatever it was. Um, but Maybe I'll have yeah, to, I'll have to yeah, check again because I think that's a, it's a good one to, 
I think it'd be a good one to have on the shelf to be able to pull off, you know, cause there's, yeah. I've read a lot of books before yeah. and like, but there's something special about a book that you can pull off the shelf to read again, because it's not, you're not reading the book to read the book. You're reading the book to figure out what it's going to give you that day. And that's I think, good, man. You know, I think yeah. that's a, you know, that's a special, special thing you have there. So, you know, I'll, I'll make sure to put that in the, the show notes and everything else, but it's, oh, thank you, brother. I appreciate it. Yeah, no problem. I don't mean, I'm not, I didn't have you on here just to tell you how awesome you were. No, I I mean, when you're awesome, you're awesome, Dan. What do you want me to say? (laughs) I mean, but, but you guys, you guys know this, um, as songwriters and as, as musicians, I mean, you, you, you put a message in a bottle and you, you fling it out into the ocean and it's, um, there can be a sense, especially in, in a time like a pandemic where you're, you're, probably more in your head than than normal you know you're probably less active than normal uh you wonder where those bottles go you wonder if anyone ever gets the messages and so man i i can't tell you how much it means to hear that and um you guys were saying i mean this this is such a cool thing to to hear back from people who have followed um chronic curiosity and and they're they're not just following individual episodes and discussions but they're 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 tracking threads you know they're they're tracking themes, they're tracking repetitions, and um, that's that's what it's all about, man. Someone finds the bottle and they they got the message, and then they they care to let you know I got the message. Whereas uh, with anything, most people who get the message never never really let you know, so you're left to wonder: Am I am I writing into a vacuum? Is 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 the is the sea even carrying these things out? Um, so man, that's that's thank you for saying that. I appreciate it. Yeah, no problem. Um, and, and on that note, and, and I think it's even a lot of times. I think the conversations that you've had, Tony, with people and myself, it's not even. You know, a lot of times we'll have. You know, this show we don't have rules. We don't really have a whole lot of. There's no script. It's just there's no questions. I'm not. You know, I have a couple of things that in my mind I'm like, oh, I want to ask this person about this. Um, but other than that, it's just mostly just ridiculous, just conversation or, you know, let it go where it goes. Um, sure. But occasionally there's like a, you know, a message in a bottle, you know, in a sense that, hey, we want to throw it out there. Um, and most of the time, at least what I've found is typically the the message in the bottle is not the message they got, but it's whatever they, you know, it's in between the lines that people have got, yeah. you know, I know you've had conversations with a bunch of people. Yeah. Patients and, and friends. And for me, like good art for me is, is you've created something that's alive. That's good art. And everything that, I mean, we created this podcast, your book, like it's, it's alive. Like it keeps on yeah. going. Yeah. It keeps on going. And so, you know, art that's alive for me is good art. Not that the, I'm saying there's bad art, but there's, there's better art. And, there's cool. some there's some bad art out there. <laughs> or there's some there's some things that people call art that's yeah, well, you just dumped a paint can on the floor. Let's knock it off. <laughs> yeah. Like no, for me though, I mean, just what Fred said, all I could think of was that you wrote a book that's living. And and it that's a that's a tall order. And so, yeah. you know, when we try and create songs, we try and create songs that are living. Um and and same with this podcast. And like you said, it's very cool to actually get some feedback on someone that enjoyed it or you know it elicited an emotion or it you know evoked something from them um and and you know hey i'm i'm doing something cool here i'm creating something that's you know coming alive and touching people in some way 
Yeah, well, it's man, I love that definition of art as something alive. It it is touching people, and it, um, as I'm sure you guys know, uh, most people, at, at least, um, I don't know, mid- middle class folks who have jobs and bills to pay and are sort of um, trying to survive. I mean, they don't. It's still a rare thing for them to listen to a good podcast or hear a good song or re- read a short story. Our, wor- our, our world and the pace of the world really isn't built to accommodate that. I, I, I try to tell my students, um, this may be the last time that you sit in a room and talk about sentences. <laughs> this may be the last time that you look someone else in the eye and, um, and try to figure out what C.S. Lewis means by this, by this argument. Uh, because as, as, as we know, on the other side of um, education, the world doesn't care about that. The world's almost invested in the opposite. It's almost invested in, as we talked about earlier, um, non-thought, you know, and, and non-critique and work and consume and hustle and don't make space for these things. Don't build an interior life. Just buy. <laughs> so, man, that's a it's a I meant what I said when I said you guys are doing a great work and um it's it's going out in a way that books can't. You know, I, I I envy any any art that can go out in audio form because it can um you know it can meet people on a jog or a car ride or you know if your work allows it in a, in a pair a good pair of headphones and it can it can build something that this this other world can't touch. Audio books, uh-huh. man. You can you can read your own book. I'd listen to your sweet dulcet tones. Hey man, <laughs> so, I still don't know if I'm using funny. that properly, but I like it, so I'm going to say. I'm a huge fan of the audiobook, man. And um, University of North Georgia Press contacted me about four months ago. They're making floods and fires into an audiobook. It's funny, funny you should say that, man. Um, are you going to read it yourself? Are I'm you? not. Oh, no, that's a bummer. They, they they are such a, a phenomenal advocate they, they've really pushed the book in some cool ways and in terms of creative control they were super respectful um i got i got say on the cover i got say on like the ordering of the stories and um even down to like sentence level decisions they were super supportive um but they just contacted me out of the blue and they said hey uh we're, we're gonna make it into a book and expect to hear from the reader in several days um and he's a he's he's a great reader. He's done many audiobooks. He's an actor. Um, I had to I had to go on his. I wasn't immediately familiar with him based on the name, but I went on his website and he's been in some stuff recently. Um, and he's got a good he's got a really good voice. I think he's going to do the the book justice. That's awesome. Our, yeah, when, that yes. Awesome, do you know when like when a time frame or anything like that for it or? They don't tell me this, man. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, there's 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 a, a proportional relationship with yeah. like their their sweetness and their support and then their communication skills. They they are awesome advocates, but they don't they're not detail oriented. I guess. Yeah. Oh, well, they, they can't give you all the details. Well, let us keep at least let, keep, keep Tony. To probably, yeah, let us yes. know. We'll um we'll, we'll make sure to uh, shamelessly plug it. Yeah, <laughs> for, for everybody. Besides that, man, are you? What are you working on now? Any like any more short stories? You got some novels going on, songs. What you know, artistically? What are you, what are you doing? Yeah, man. Um, so I'm doing a screenplay right now. Okay. Which uh, 
is not it, it does not play to my strengths as as a writer. Um, the reason I love songs so much, the reason I love the the short story, is it it is it is a very compressed form. It's a short short space, um, which frees you up to think about like sounds yep. and syntax and rhythm. Um, and obviously, that's what you're thinking about when you write a song. Um, screenplays have a little bit of that, but you're much more thinking about how things are represented on the screen and how quickly things are moving and dramatic action and character development, really things that I'm, I'm sort of um, underdeveloped in. But it, was, but it was one of these things, it was too good of an opportunity to pass on. I met a guy in my graduate program named Dean Bacopoulos. Is that the, um, is that the HBO guy? It's the HBO guy. Yeah. And he took a short story that I had written, um, a really weird piece uh, in which a rapture occurs that takes only men. So the, 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 it's, it's like an all-female world. Um, and he said, man, if you would at all be inclined to turning this into a screenplay, I think I could sell it. And um, he's he's a pretty pretty big deal. I mean, he, he works for HBO. He's sort of like... He has, a, he has a teaching position in Iowa, but then also like flies out to L.A. and, and kind of goes back and forth between those worlds. And um, I didn't want to do it at all because I, I, I know almost nothing about screenwriting. I love television. I think it's a really cool medium. I think some of the best stories are getting told, especially on like streaming services. Yeah. Um, but I, I felt that I would reg- regret it if I didn't if I didn't seize the opportunity. So. Um, put yourself in yeah, an uncomfortable zone in the end. Yeah. yeah which, <laughs> man, I, I love how you put that earlier, Fred. I, there's something about life. Life has this cruel, but also uh, magical quality of like the places you need to go uh, are the, are the ones that you don't really want to go. You're not really equipped to go there, but you know, you, you need to, um, you need to step into it. And so I'm, I'm working on that with Dean and I'm writing some weird stuff, some essays and some some prose poems. Um, taking a little break from short fiction okay. after, yeah, about about five years of churning those out. So we, speaking on that, so we've talked about fires and floods. What what else do you have out there that people can uh, can check out? And what do you, obviously anything that you, that's coming up shortly that you know about that's going to be out for consumption or. Yeah, um, I, I recently sold a story to a really good literary journal out of Denver. Um, they're called Copper Nickel. And it was the wildest thing, man. I, I wrote, usually I write very slowly. I sort of, I, I mean, this goes back to our conversation about being compulsive, right? And just, just dwelling on a word or a phrase and, and, you know, is this a cliche? In what ways is this cliche? In, wh- in what ways could it have more teeth? Um, and so usually I'm a very slow writer, but I wrote I wrote a a prose poem all in one morning about getting these yellow jackets out of a trash can. These yellow jackets had built this massive colony in a in a, in a vintage steel trash can that my wife wanted to like. She's an artist, and so she wanted to refurbish it or, or use it for some art project. And she said, "You got to get those things out." And, um, it's all, that's a tough task. I, I feel like yeah, he's just man. like a, a, he is me. Like when I moved, when I bought the house, the bought the house that we're in right now, I had a trash can out back. It was like, people use that as like a burn barrel, giant, yeah. giant nest in it. That's not yeah. fun. 
<laughs> so sorry. Continue. Continue. <laughs> no, and I mean, you you guys seem pretty tough. I mean, that that would probably come as a like a a, a welcome challenge. I'm a house puppy. You know what I mean? I'm, <laughs> I'm like that that that's a. Uh, and so the poem is about like you know you, you have this problem on your hands, and for me at least, like I don't want to ask the internet. I have this weird luddite. Um, instinct of like not wanting to google things and so i just ask people like hey what what would you do and um <laughs> that could be a bad know, road to go down <laughs> it's you get you get all these you get these varied responses you know my i and i think i still have the the, the responses with the correct parties but you know my dad's thing was they they sleep in the evening they sleep at night um so just wait until they're asleep and slam the the lid on and duct tape it and take it out of the country and make it someone else's problem. Um, to which my wife replied, "No, I want the I want the trash can." My brother was like, "Just douse it in gasoline and throw in a a match." And again, she's like, "No, you'll damage the the trash can." And so it ended up becoming what should have been like a weekend ordeal. It ended up becoming like this month long thing, and the the colony kept getting bigger. And uh, my kids would get stung if they went by it. And and also this weird thing happened where, um, you know, when you're going to kill a thing, and I, I don't know if you guys hunt or if you, you know, you just swap flies out of the air, whatever you're killing, you know, the longer you think about it and the longer you sort of uh, hold it in your mind, um, the more sentient it seems, right? And so it's a, it's a poem called Wasp Queen. And it's just about, it's a, I mean, it's a page long, but it's about, you know, me leading up, leading up to having to exterminate these wasps. And so that, I think that's coming out in the spring, but I, I always tell people just Google, you know, if you just Dan Leach writer, I, I got stuff that, yeah, um, a bunch of poems out there too, don't you? Oh, poems, short stories, book yeah. reviews. I mean, it, it's, it's, it's not all good, but it's, it's out there. <laughs> That story, I spilled a can of paint, man. It's running. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, right. Well, that story had a very, um, did you ever hear, what was that? It was like a little ditty or whatever. These little kids where it was, uh, there's a hole in the bucket. Dear Liza. Seemed yeah. like a very, it seemed like your wife was very Eliza and that. She's like, no, you can't do that. Absolutely. We'll fix it. Just fix it, Henry. <laughs> I don't know. Just fix it. Like, no, 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 don't do it that way. Like you got to fix it, yeah. but you can't do it that way. No, you can't do it that way either. <laughs> That's I'll have to check that out. That sounds like a quite an experience. Thanks, man. I appreciate that. <laughs> let me let me flip the question back. Are you I, obviously the podcast? Um, wh- what else have you guys been making or, or thinking about or or, or tinkering with? Oh, Tony, you have a whole slew of things that you've been. I mean, well, you actually tinkering with a job now. So yeah, <laughs> yeah. The, the job's putting a putting a, a damper on that. So. Um, but for me, man, it's just, it's other jobs to create. So as long as I'm creating, I feel like I'm living, whether it be songs, whether it be this podcast, whether it be even a, a, like you said, a, a conversation at the bar, you know, you were talking about that. And I, I felt like some of those things that were new for you that I've always been doing yeah, in man. terms of just meeting random people and just having these different conversations. But I, I think business for me, um, I'm, I'm not sure exactly where that next, business venture is going to go, but I have an idea. And then I've been talking to Fred about getting back into some music. So I've got, I've got a few lyrics that I've been working on. Um, I don't really tell Fred about them until they're complete, 
Because uh, then he'll be like, dude, it's three quarters done. What are you doing here? And I'm like, oh, yeah, I'll finish I'll it. Yeah, because I'll start picking it, it up. I'm like, let's play, let's play, let's play. And then it doesn't finish it. never finished it. <laughs> but I, I do want to do some more music. I've still been playing some guitar. He's um, actually gotten fairly decent. I don't know about fairly decent. I didn't say you were good. I yeah. said fairly decent. <laughs> okay. I appreciate that backhanded compliment, Fred. <laughs> it yeah, still but, sucked, but no, I know, not it, as bad of sucking. Yeah. But yeah, you've you've polished it off a little. Yeah, bit. it's gotten better. Yeah. yeah. So, but yeah, just this podcast, man. It's it's very near and dear to Fred's heart, um, in in mine. Um, you know, I'm kind of a let's throw it out there and see what happens. And and Fred's been just an absolute beast, man. It just bringing everything together. He was kind of like, hey, I'll figure the audio stuff out. Uh, Except for today, the technology the has, no, 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 it's, it's <laughs> has fine, evaded man. me today. It's, that's that's 2020, man. What yeah. do you expect? Um. And then he was like, hey, you know, I know you know a lot of people, so could you get some guests? And that's been fun for me, too, to kind of reconnect with some different people. And I'm like, hey, you want to do this podcast? And they're like, well, what's that about? And I'm like, it's whatever you want it to be about. Yeah. Like, There's no rules there's, here. Yeah, there's no <laughs> <laughs> no laws with chronic curiosity. Yeah. Um, but no, that it's been fun, man, to reconnect with people. Um, and then I keep getting this, like, I don't know why, man, but just quantum physics, like string theory just pops in my head with everything that's been said, man, just this interconnected of like everything we do. And even your problem, man, about the, uh, the yellow jackets, I was like, man, that's life right there about the yellow jackets, about a problem that you need to deal with. You don't know how to solve the issue. Uh, all these people give you their opinions on it and you haven't solved it yet. And it keeps growing and it, but it keeps affecting you and other people at the same time. Yeah. Yeah. I want. I want to. I want. I want to read that poem for sure. Yeah, that sounds very Dan Leach esque for sure. Yeah, yeah, and normally I would hear that and be like, "Okay, it's a poem about wasps." Okay, I get it. But like I said, after reading, you know, half of Fire and Floods, it's uh, I'm excited. You have a a very particular way of telling a story that you know elicits things that you would never expect. So that's the. Uh, it's like the mystery of, you know, I'm going to read these words that are. They're nothing, you know, there's no stories that they're not super crazy stories about a certain super crazy people or anything like that, but it's they're real life, you know, stories. I'm sure that, you know, I don't, I don't know how um, real life they are, but they, they're stories that you could very well see happen, but the way they're told is just, you know, I think that goes back to creating living art, man. Yeah, like, it that's is. it right there. It's it's just the, those tiny little tweaks and the things that make your brain just explode and go, well, why, why is this like, you know, it's kind of like, uh, not quite. Cause these are a little too loose, but you know, like those, uh, pictures, at least I've never seen them as a kid where it was like all the dots and stuff all over the page, all over the page. And then you had to hold them just right. And you had to like, look at them and like cross your eyes yeah. and stuff. Yeah. And then all of a sudden the picture's just like, boom. There it is. Like, and it's, that's kind of the way it is. You're like, all right, I'm seeing the colors. I'm seeing the designs. I'm seeing the boxes. And then all of a sudden it's like, wow, never saw that coming. You know, it's, that's, it's just super neat. Yeah. But I, I love, um, I love the, for the, the podcast, you guys have, you're pursuing that, but you're, you're doing it in a, you you do you show up you roll tape you know you have someone on but it what takes shape is not was not scripted nope. and I, I think I got a theory on why people are so enamored with podcasts I mean obviously some of it tracks with like uh, the smartphone 
you know, more access to technology. I mean, um, some of it rises on that tide of like other, other apps and other, other softwares. But I got this theory that podcasts remind us of how we used to make conversation. Yeah. (laughs) Right. They, um, almost in the way, like, and you guys are, uh, music lover so you, you remember when like nirvana and pearl jam hit in the in the in the early 90s and like the reason it hit so hard is because we'd been under this hair metal pop crap for so long and it sort of reminded us like oh yeah back in the 70s rock used to be like in drop d tuning right it, it, it used to really it used to be just really dark. And some visceral. grungy kids in their in their garage. Just yeah, it was <laughs> it was new, but it was old. And I I think like I I look at talk shows from the seventies, like like Dick Cavett would have um I don't know James Baldwin right or Norman Mailer on, and they would have these open conversations where people could improvise or could go anywhere. But the shape that it took was was something really interesting and useful. And we somehow got away from that into this ultra polished, ultra scripted, um, mostly marketing. You know, you, you look at most talk shows and it's, I mean, the, the, the reason the guest is on the show is to like promote something. And the reason the host exists is to like flatter them and like help point towards this product. I'm and not doing podcast. that with your book, by the way. That wasn't the no, intention no. at all. <laughs> <laughs> no, but it's like what you guys are doing and what I, I explain this to people. Men seem to get Joe Rogan a little bit better than uh, I and I I, I, I don't make gender uh, generalizations often, but I, I have to explain constantly to to. Some of my female friends, female students, the appeal of Joe Rogan. Mm-hmm. And um, I say, look, go go watch an episode of Jimmy Fallon. And then watch watch the same, you know, if, it, if that's 15 minutes, listen to how he talks, listen to the conversation, look at what takes shape there, and then go listen to Joe Rogan and tell me what you notice, right? right? And um, and I think at least one of the things you notice is that there, there's a there's a versatility, right? There's a freedom and, an, and it's it's... A conversation with Joe Rogan is jazz, whereas a conversation with uh, Jimmy Fallon is 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 the pop song. Constructed you know? and constrained and constructed. Yeah. So I love that you guys are doing this, man. It's anything can happen. You show up and any anything can happen. <laughs> yeah, we don't know what's gonna happen, obviously. <laughs> yeah. Tony's been putting a, a rear naked choke <laughs> at one point on <laughs> unbeknownst to him. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I think that's, I mean, going back to your question about what 2020 is, you know, and everything for us, um, you know, I, uh, one of our guests, Becky Kieran, Kieran, uh, had posted, and I'd seen on her um, social media that she had kind of posted like, hey, like, you know, through this year, what's something that, you know, has impacted, you know, folks and, you know, what have you done or learned or this, that, whatever. And, um, you know, this year it's, it's been weird, uh, because I have a lot of sympathy and, uh, empathy in different regions for people that are going through struggles and, and, you know, battling things. And there's just so much to even attempt to unpack what 2020 is. Um, but I, you know, I said, you know, I, I mentioned to her, I said, you know what? I said, without the, the events of this year, the podcast, which she had been a part of at that point, probably wouldn't be a thing. 
um, you know, you know, I, we started out normal year and I'm, I'm very, as much as my wife would say that I'm just kind of whatever, um, I, I, I have found that I, I like, you know, designation in my days and, you know, certain construction around that. But I, I realized that I tend to thrive in chaos um, yeah. when I'm, yeah. when I'm forced to, I, cause I would like, I'd like having the same schedule. I don't like, you know, being put in weird situations or especially social situations, but I tend to thrive when I'm pushed. Um, you know, and this year I just, I started getting bored cause we were locked down, started working from home. I wasn't, you know, out as much. And the one day, I don't know what it was. I realized that the, uh, the stock market was just in the tanks and I had for years wanted to kind of learn about, you know, a free market and the stock markets and things. And it was just like, and I, it, it just, there was not, there wasn't that spark there for me to be interested for a certain reason. Yeah. Well, then I thought about it and was like, well, it's got to go up. I was like, you know what? Why don't I, I'm going to invest in the stock market because I got this extra time in my hands. So I'm going to start learning about it. And that's, so I took a real deep dive into that. And then I did that. And then I took deep dives into all these different things where I, you know, and then I realized the podcast thing, you know, we talked about on the podcast too, where, uh, Tony had tried to listen to, you know, check out Rogan, check out Rogan. And I was like, Oh, okay, whatever. Um, but I was already primed for it because I had spent, the last, the last 12 years, I spent a lot of time in my, in a truck, just driving around, doing things and working out in the field. And I had stopped listening to the radio. I mean, probably eight years ago sure. because it's, it's just the same music, the same crap over and over and over. And then, especially once you start discovering artists that are really good, you can't listen to, you know, any pop station or, you know, country station or rock station. Cause it's, it's the same five songs every hour. And it was, so I was listening to a, a local radio show that, you know, they were ridiculous, but it was something different every day. And it was when I'm sitting in my truck all day long, it was kind of like a companionship there in a sense, you know, that, cause I didn't get to talk to anybody. So it was, it was that. And then, um, I started listening to a little bit of Rogan, some different things. And, um, Jordan Peterson was one of the people sure. that kind of sparked that, um, you know, starting to, to go search for new people. Um, and you, and we've talked about before in the podcast where Peterson can be very controversial, but one thing is that he does do is he's, he's very articulate and he explains what he thinks very well, whether you agree with him or not, you, if you give him enough time to talk, he explains where he's coming from. Well, so him and then to the Rogan and I started listening to, you know, the Weinsteins, Eric and Brett Weinstein yeah, were extremely intelligent people. I'm like, I don't understand what half they're saying half the time, but you know what? They're fun to listen to when, and when I feel, when I do understand something that they say, I'm like, it's like a little victory. Like, yeah, <laughs> like I learned something today. Um, but it's, I don't know exactly where I was going with all that, but you know, 2020 for me is, has been extremely beneficial at least mentally and personally, because I have had time to kind of, you know, think about, you know, what does this life mean to me? You know, yeah. all these things that we're doing, why, why are we doing them? You know, what are we doing them for? And what, if I'm not doing something that's going to benefit me in some way, shape or form, 
then why am I doing it? So, you know, I think it's a lot of people have said that, <clears throat> excuse me, that, you know, 2020 is, you know, re- made them realize that their family was important or this was important. Um, and to me, it, it just made me realize that we're all important. Um, we just, but we have to make ourselves important Yeah, because you go through life thinking you're worthless and just treating yourself and treating your life like it's worthless. Well, guess what? It's going to be worthless. So do something with it if you want to, but if not get it out of my way <laughs> and don't, you know what I mean? Don't slow me down because I got, I got stuff I want to do. Yeah. I'm only here for, you know, 70 years, 80 years. I don't know, maybe 60, maybe 35. And I'll be out of here next year. I have no idea, but I guess it was one of those things where like, I'm tired of, of doing the grind, just going to work, being a good little soldier. Aunt. Yeah. Like you, you got to find that, that some kind of purpose in life to be able to make it worth it. You know? And it seems, I mean, and we've talked about it before too, like, uh, the Naval Ravikant mm-hmm. quote, you know, or not the quote, Confucius. but he, he quoted, yeah. you know, Confucius that we were talking about in the one time that, you know, was that every man has two lives and the second one begins when he realizes he only has one. Mm. And it, and to me, it seems like Dan's been doing that for, for a while. I don't know. He's, he seems wise beyond his no, years. He's, have, he's from, he's from the South, bro. Who knows? <laughs> I just have you fooled as all. Um, oh well, you're you're good at it, Fred. I, <laughs> you, you tricked us, tricked us, chief. <laughs> That's yeah. right, man. Um, I love I love what you're talking about. We we focus a lot on the possibilities shut down, like the freedom shut down, the capacities that were like closed by the pandemic. But I don't think we talk enough about like the possibilities that were opened up, um, yeah. which is which is what sounds like happened to you. Uh, we Tony and I have this writer that we both love named Ron Rash. He's a, he's a North Carolina guy. Um, I think he's probably like our, our best living guy. I think he's, um, I don't know, the, the closest thing we have to a Faulkner. But he, he has this quote. He says, violence pulls back the veneer of everyday manners. And then you get to see what's under. And I, I think, like I've been thinking about that in connection with, with the pandemic. I mean, it it is a form of violence, right? It is a form of, oh. it brings death. And it brings limitation and even things, I mean, if we're going to be flexible with what violence is, I mean, making someone wear a mask or making someone stay home or, you know, limiting someone's ability to move. I mean, these are all forms of violence and we can, we can certainly cry foul about how bad it hurts. And it does in certain ways, but Fred, I I love what you're saying about, it also opens up new capacities. Like it peels back this, veneer of manners and of complacency and of um of not thinking about how short life is and it you know it it wakes you up it wakes you up to how you know the wolves are at the door you know if you're gonna if you're gonna make a podcast get busy (laughs) if you're gonna write a book write a song uh ask someone to marry you move to a new city whatever it is you I mean, what, what it? What is the Shawshank Redemption? You know, the, the famous get busy line. Over, get busy dying, bro. Amen, amen. I used to watch that movie with my dad late at night, man. So that's so many of those lines resonate with me. But yeah, man, it's it's opened up some urgencies, hasn't it? Yeah, yeah, for sure. I mean, there's uh, there's just so much that just hey, we're here. We got 
you don't get a choice. I mean, theoret- I mean, you know, within reason, that you're going to be here. So why not make the best of it? It was funny. Um, kind of made me think of uh, the other day. I saw one of my buddies, and uh, it was like a it was like a Thursday or something like that, and uh, we worked together. And he was like, well, "He's like, what's your deal today?" Because I was just in a good mood, and he was like, "Are you just like?" As a, he's like, are you just on like the fuck it train today? Like, cause you just seem like you're just like, whatever. And I was like, well, I, I was like, kind of, but I said, you know what? I said, I, I, I woke up. I said, I, I wasn't particularly in a good mood. Just didn't want to do the things I had to do today. And then I did what I tell myself and p- other people to do when they start bitching about something. And I'm like, if you got to do it, you got to do it. You're here. This is the day it is today. It's, being grumpy about it, it's not going to change anything. So I'm going to be in a good mood. Why not? Like, <laughs> like <laughs> I have a much better time when I'm in a good mood. So, and it was just, and it just kind of like clicked with me. It was like continually this year, like you said, it's just, it's opened up so much to go, Hey, this is it. This is your chance. Yeah. And guess what? Tomorrow morning when you wake up, that's your chance again. And then you wake up the next day. You got another chance, you know, and I think that's, it's, if you don't think about it like that, you can go down a dark hole. And I think that's, that, I think that's one of the biggest things about this year is seeing those, you know, seeing some of the statistics of people that, you know, they've been down those dark holes and it's, it's crazy to hear some of the stories and, and some of the darkness that, that has been 2020. And, you know, I think part of this, you know, we started this out and it was, we're going to do this because we want to, we have a good time doing it. And that's just the reason we're doing it. But you know, if we can, you know, reach at least one or two people while we're at it, I mean, that's just an an added benefit. Is it selfish? I don't know. I'm not sure, but it feels good. So whatever, (laughs) like it, it, I think that was a conversation we've had before too, where is it, is it selfish to do something that you know is going to benefit other people because it makes you feel good, but you're still benefiting somebody else? Yeah. I I like to think of both things happening. I mean, you guys are building a bonfire on the beach, right? And you like it because there's cold beer and you guys are playing guitar and it's warm. Right. But the guy walking down the beach who's cold and lonely he likes it too because he sees it and he and he and he steps into that. And when he does, he's not met with judgment, right? So I, I like that, man. You guys are you guys are building bonfires, and it's it's beneficial for you. It's a good place for you guys to be, but it's it's also a sort of light in a dark place for for the guy who Fred. I love your story, but you know you you were on the road for a long time, and and on the other end, you, you had to listen. Right. And now now you're speaking and like there's someone else out there listening right now and you're the one speaking and it's it's good, man. It's a good work. I I think that goes back to me into something that you and me, if we've talked about this in the past, it's like it's interesting to think about consumption versus production Mm. man, and like when does that actually happen? Um, And it's just it's very cool to see Fred kind of make that transition of of and and myself from that consumption to production. Yeah. Um, so, and you, man, honestly, like I, I remember 
back on Bogard when you were just reading, reading, reading. Yeah. Um, and then to, to actually see you produce something and write something is, dude, it is, it's awesome, man. Like, I don't think you know how proud I am of, dude, all the things you write, man, uh, you know, of all the things you do. And especially to kind of being a professor. Now, we had a conversation before, and I believe this was in you when you were in Nebraska. And you said, man, I, I get these parents that come up to me and they're like, you know, you've transformed my child. You've transformed my child. Like just, just by the way you treat them, you know, the, the way that you, know, you are as a teacher, as a leader. And you told me, you're like, dude, that's good to hear, but that doesn't really like make my soul come alive. And I'm like, whew, I'm like, dude, that is wow. Like that's, that's a beast right there, man. Yeah. Like, dude, you're changing kids' lives. And, and it's not that you're just flip it, like flippantly throwing it to the side or anything. You, you wholeheartedly acknowledge like what that parent's saying, but dude, your soul isn't moved by that. Yeah. Like, yeah. you know, your soul is moved by creation. And so now, you know, you're back to that. You're back to a professor, someone that, you know, can, can guide, you know, the impressionability of, of these souls is there and you can lead them, but you're also still creating too. So you've kind of figured out a way to going back to our original, you know, thought about the duality there that it, one doesn't have to only exist. Like you figured out how to kind of have both realms exist in your life. So that, I think that's, that's awesome. You've been able to do that. Oh, thank you, man. I, you know, it, Fred was saying something earlier about how in a certain sense, the podcast is new territory, but then yep. in another way, it was always there. It was always kind of right yeah. underneath his nose. He was he was he was being primed and being trained without really even being cognizant of the fact that that's what was going on. And I think I think now about you know my job is to sit in rooms and ask people to slow down and, and look at language and ask people to mm -hmm. think. And I realize like man, you mentioned Bogart Street, which was I mean for for context, you know this was a house Tony and I. Tony and I met our freshman year at College of Charleston. This would have been. Oh, we got to hear the story. Yeah, we, the T-shirt. <laughs> we got to. I've, I've I've heard it once already, but I need so, to hear it so, again. This so is a tracksuit, yeah. bro. It's a sweatshirt or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. So, so for those that don't know, we've obviously mentioned Dan a couple multiple times, um, but Tony and Dan know each other way, way, yeah. way back. Yeah. Um, and then I've, like I said, met him. I don't know. I don't remember if this got caught on on the when we started out or not. But I've only met you once yeah. um, in person. We spent what, two or three days playing music and whatnot together. But yeah, so continue. But as long as you put in the oh, for sure the story of meeting Tony in the t shirt or the track, whatever it was. <laughs> yeah. Those are those are two separate stories. Okay, good, well, good stories yeah, in and of themselves. Yeah, so we can piggyback okay, on it. But yeah, I, we'll, I want to hear we'll, it again, we'll just for my own indulgement. Because at first it was only a teacher. We we lived in the same dorm, uh, but we we just kind of passed each other, you know, in the way the cafeteria. I, I didn't know him, and Tony, I think. I mean, could I correctly uh, categorize you as an introvert? You're you're an introvert as well, right? Which was yeah, no, I accurately categorized me back in the day as an introvert. When you said you were an introvert, I was like, this is 2020, so I'm not sure what dimension we're on. <laughs> I'm like, I, you at face value, you are not an introvert, but I I understand yeah, what you're saying. But yeah. yes, I, I I so we lived in. It was an all male dormitory, and it was on George Street in Charleston, South Carolina. And you, uh, you were my roommate, and 
we never even I think we said hi one time. It was you and uh and I I guess we can probably say names on here, right? I mean, Maybe I don't know. Rungi. I don't care. Um, yeah, yeah, whatever. And uh, yeah, so you're one of your buddies um, had been trying to get you to come down to, to uh, the College of Charleston. And so yes, we were roommates in an all male dormitory, uh, and we had spoken maybe one time, and that was you. You lived over here. You lived ten feet away from yep. me, separated by drywall, and I lived over here, and that was the extent of our relationship at that point. Yeah. And, and, and you had your, your girlfriend and your, um, I don't, your, your routines, man, you lifted weights and you were, yeah. you were pre-med. I mean, so you were in a, in a different headspace yeah. in terms of what you studied and I had mine and we really only sort of like exchanged basic, basic courtesies. Um, yeah. And I was a Yankee by the way too. Yeah. So. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and always in a different headspace. <laughs> now, when we, so I guess towards the end of that year, we connected on a deeper level, right? Um, yeah. Do you, do you remember the initial kind of the, no. Um, so I do remember the, I was, I was off kind of partying trying to find myself, I guess. Okay. And uh, I was like, man, this, this is just empty. Like, this isn't fun. Like I'm, like you said, at the time I was an introvert. Um, now I feel like I could just walk my, walk myself into any party or whatever and have a conversation with whoever, but I just left, man. I was with someone, I was at, at, at a party, uh, you were with one of your female friends and, and Rungi and it was, it was a little bit earlier and I came home and I sat down on the couch and I, I, no, actually you guys were watching a movie. You were watching a movie and you said, Hey, do you want to join me? And I said, no, I'm good. And I just took my introverted self right back into my room while you guys sat out there and laughed and watched a movie. And finally, I, I don't know what the impetus to this was, probably just because I was like, man, this is ridiculous. Like, I'm in college. I'm sitting in a room by myself. These people are having fun. Like, maybe I should just see why they're having fun and who they are. And so we went out there. And I knew that you were pretty involved with, with church at the time yeah, and things like yeah. that. And not that that was a, de- a deterrent or anything. I just... I didn't, you know, I didn't know what, what that was all about. And so I was a little bit hesitant and I went out there and something that, that stuck with me because I I had this idea, this, this notion, I think that like people that were actively involved with the church didn't really know how to have fun or, you know, they just shunned these, these secular ideas. And you were like, Hey, you want to smoke a stogie? And I was like, (laughs) wait a second. I was like, "I, I don't know how to reconcile the two. Like, this dude reads his Bible and he goes to church, but he smokes stogies. Like, is that okay? And I was like, whew, now I definitely have to hang out with him. So it was, the, it was the invitation of that stogie that I was like, yep, I'm going to, I'm going to hang out with him. So man, it sat down on the couch, ended up going out there. I think we smoked some, something terrible, probably some Swisher sweets or something like <laughs> yeah, that. Yeah. And, uh, and that was, that was kind of the beginning, man. That was the beginning. And then I, there was some, you know, uh, some fitness, some gym things in there, yes. some protein powder, uh, <laughs> some some you eating some cashews at some point that my grandparents sent me. Uh, <laughs> no, man, there was that was kind of how it began, and uh, I I just I always appreciated the fact, I man, this kind of just how how friendly you were, man, how personable you were, how accepting you were, and I was like, that's pretty darn cool. And then you know, then we did become friends. 
and we were very different. And I think that's, that's kind of what piqued my interest was the fact that we were just so different from one another. Yeah, man. It like, as you were telling that story, it came back to me. Um, strange as that sounds, I don't know what I was doing with stogies. Not, I've never, I've never been like a big cigar I know, guy. I, I don't know why I, know, I, I know that night. Uh, but yeah, as you, as you were telling me that, it, it came back to me. But then the second year we lived together, I mean, it was like a, it was, it was a different level of friendship. Yeah. Um, because we would just sit around. Idea how atypical this was, but we would sit around and um, like research theological issues or or yeah. discuss philosophy. I mean, we just like any any night of the week, you'd come in and it was like this weird. It was it was this old row house in in the hood. Really, it was one of the few houses in this little stretch of uh, very rough neighborhood you, you, that was. Fixed you got up. mugged the first week we lived there. Do what? Uh-huh. So you got mugged the first week we lived there. You remember that? We all that? got mugged, man. I know. I got, <laughs> I got mugged. Gibbs got mugged twice and, and cut once. Um, yeah. Tony, you once asked me to jump in a car with you and track down a guy who ripped us off for a couple hundred bucks. Yeah, we tried. <laughs> we tried. We were, we were, it was. It was uh, yeah, we were going to try and throw him a beating. Jeez, man! It listen. It it was. Um, it was the best of times. It was the worst of times. I mean, we were we were getting mugged and we were getting our home broken into, but we were also sitting around. And this is, I guess this is the connection I wanted to make with like how you can be being prepared for something, but you're not really aware of it. Because I, I, yeah. I don't think I would have told you at the time that I wanted to write or that I wanted to teach. I was undecided. I was undecided as a major and just really sort of like, avoiding making serious decisions. I was avoiding thinking about that. But you look at what we would do, man, and we would sit around and have these conversations for hours about like these abstract ideas or these theories. And I just thought it was normal. I had no, I had no yeah, idea. That sounds like a great time. <laughs> one block over. Uh, but you've always been that way, man. I mean, we'll, we'll, we'll call each other on the phone and it's like 30 seconds of pleasantries and then we're just we're off. We're in it, yeah. Well, well, he's changed a little bit because he doesn't like to entertain my alien ideas. <laughs> I just slip it in there. We did. We definitely entertained it on the on we the did. last episode. We did. So, we talked about. No, it. I'm pretty much yeah. we entertain all kinds of stuff. Yeah. But in there was that element of uh, e- even on Bogart, man. Even even in the hood, there there was that element of. Uh, just kind of opening up to people. Do you remember we almost had an like we had an informal homeless ministry where yeah. like dude, the homeless community knew who we were and they they kind of you know told their their buddies or whatever, "Hey, you want a meal? You need an outfit? Like you want someone to just go talk to and and regard you as a human being, which they absolutely are." Um they would come to our house, man. We That's we right. literally had I could I could totally I I'm not even Fully, I could t- see you guys sitting on a front porch of some, which you know, is where run, we were, run down which road, is where we were. and then just some homeless guy walking up and like, "Hey, you want 
Hey, we got some pizza over here. No, bro. You want some we pizza? A, here we you had, go. <laughs> we had a grill, bro. We were a step above. Yeah, we had, well, we had, either way. We had, I could the, to- we had the grill. I could totally see you guys just sitting down there and just like with one extra chair on the lawn, just like cooking some food. And we're like, hey, we got we got a chair. You want to, yeah. let's let's hang out and talk. And yeah. then just sitting there hanging out with a, you know, homeless guy. We, bro, you remember JoJo? Yo, JoJo. This dude would announce himself when he'd come by. <laughs> he called He called Tony Big Bible and he called me Little Bible. But he had a uh, there's a there's a dialect in the Low Country. It's kind of like Gullah in um, in Louisiana, but it's called Geechee, and um, it sounds Caribbean. It almost sounds like you know something from like the Dominican Republic or Jamaica. But yeah, Jojo jo- came up from jo- like jo- Louisiana or something. Yeah, yeah. Jojo would call him. He'd go big big Baba, and he would call me Lit- it's Little. Like, it's not like Bop almost. Big, big Bop a little Bopa. He call him Big Bible Little Bible. Cause that's what we, yeah. I mean, we would, we would. I remember we made these little care packages one time because we weren't, we weren't trying to give money to people who, yeah, you know, potentially have like uh, right. substance abuse issues. And so we made these little. We just got like gallon Ziploc bags, and we'd put like a pair of socks, a can of Pringles, yeah, food, toiletries, whatever, a, a, a stick of deodorant, and it was like, yeah, yeah. How can I, how can I pray for you? What's going on? Um, trying to talk so, so you to guys people. Were- in a in a in a human way, um, as yeah. opposed, you guys were like the subscription boxes before the subscription boxes were cool. Yeah, that's yeah. humble, I guess. <laughs> well, you know, I'll tell you, man. I shared a story. Let's see if you remember this one. So we had our homeless thing, but do you remember we were sitting around one Friday night and we just decided off the cuff to go down to a there was a battered women's shelter around the way yeah. from our house, and we called them, just cold called them, and said. Um, what could we do to like help you out? What could we do like now to help you out? And they said, you know, the food here sucks <laughs> and the dessert is the worst <laughs> of all. They never get ice cream and they always ask for ice cream. And Tony, you remember we ran to that Harris theater and we got just gallons of ice cream and toppings and we just showed up to this battered women's shelter and like started serving out ice cream to these women who um, I mean, they're straight out of an Isbel song, right? You just look at their face yeah, and it's, yeah. <laughs> they needed a lot more than a, than a bowl of ice cream. Ice but. cream. Yeah. <laughs> but that was the, that was the beginning. Yeah. Yeah. But you see, I mean, I don't know. You, you look at where you ended up and do you see that as a, as a form of preparation or maybe like some early, some early smoke signals that you were going to end up dealing with people whose lives had been derailed and dealing with people who maybe needed uh, a kindness that wasn't available in the, in the mainstream. Yeah. To, to definitely to an extent, man. Um, yeah. I, I, like you said, man, I, I deal with that now, but I think there's always that, like that level of familiarity where I could see a portion of myself because at times I mean, my own life was derailed. And so, yes, there was that level of preparation, but there was that level of cognizance of my own life and you combine the two and then you're able to build this awesome rapport with these people um, that, and I've always said that that could be me easily. That could be me. And so who would I want on the other side speaking to me or helping me? Um, and so I, I yeah, it definitely helped. Yeah. But yeah, I, I do think there was that level of preparation. You, you kind of think back and you're like, man, was that, was that something divine? Was that, I, I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. yeah or was it, was it kind of like the, the, I don't know. This isn't the great analogy, but the chicken or the egg kind of deal. Where sure. you know, maybe maybe that's why you're so good at what you do because you've had that 
you know, interaction and preparation as it, as it were beforehand. It, yeah. You, you find that field to just be so accommodating to your skills. Yeah. I, I think, <laughs> I think the other thing too, man, is something that you always go back to. I just like characters. Yeah. Like I genuinely enjoy characters yeah. and I think everyone in this room is a character. <laughs> you know, they're interesting. They're, they're, you know, very atypical. Uh, I just thoroughly enjoy characters. And I, I tell my patients that they tell me the wildest stories ever about going to jail or about, you know, people, you know, I have a guy, man, that lost, uh, Oh, it's, it's a terrible story, but it's life, man. Like it deals with death and, you know, losing two sons, a wife and a, and a sister in, in, you know, 18 months, like you don't get much more real than that. And so it keeps me so grounded, man. And it keeps me so appreciative and so, you know, able to, to be perceptive and, and realize, you know, the things that I have and, and relativism and, and all those things, like those are huge for me, man. And then I take these stories and I'm able to kind of pass them on and, and look at things into to better perspectives. And so it makes me a better, a better provider. Uh, and I think a better human being too, man, even, you know, a, a better father, um, and all those things. So I think it's kind of how you perceive things and, but yeah, absolutely going back to the past and everything I've, I've gone through. And I think that even goes back to kind of what I was saying when I, I get this weird idea about the overall, uh, title of this conversation or whatever man with string theory about how connected weird things are and how you can't explain them. Yeah. Well, I think, you know, and I think that's something too that I can connect with is, you know, growing up, I, I always thought that, you know, maybe I didn't have, you know, the greatest, this, that, whatever. Um, but you know, seeing, being able to connect us to, to people that are just like, me and you and everybody else that has this horrific story and you know, they're just people. We're just people. And to be able to, I think there's as weird as it is, weird as it is to say, you know, to be able to see someone that has a story that's much, much worse off than you are. Yeah. If you don't get some kind of appreciation out of that, to be able to understand that and to be able to use that, you know, and, and yeah. to say, you know what, I, my life's pretty darn good. This is going really well. Um, and why not give some of that back and try to, you know, connect with somebody that way. Dude, not to stop you. Hold yeah, on, hold on, our, we're, we're frozen. Is this, the, are we still recording say, we, audio wise? Yeah, we're still recording audio. Okay. We're, okay. Yeah, the audio still is good. And it, He's still coming through. Is our video frozen on your end? You Dan? you are, but but it's it's the perfect shot to be frozen on. Tony Tony looks like my eyes are Fred looks very deep in thought. So I mean, in a conversation that's yeah. been so concerned with, um, yeah, I, I don't know, self reflection and deep things. No. I think this is the this is what you'd want to be frozen on. <laughs> yeah usually people like have like their mouths open yeah, like with like one players. eyeball like yeah 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 we're still yeah we still got you in the loud and clear dan so i mean we'll just cool. we'll just whatever the video has been terrible yeah you we see you perfect Ooh. so we can still see that glorious mustache that's right man everything so <laughs> well let's let's roll with it i mean i i i love i guess what i love because i think it's it's one of the most humbling experiences uh i know of is when you've already sort of assigned a story to someone you know and and whether whether you've come up with this story based on past experience or based on 
things you've heard or based on things you're observing, but but you you too quickly and you and you maybe too arrogantly say I I, I got your number I got I know yeah I, I know where you're from I, right. I'm reading the I'm reading the clues here I know what your story is and then when you stop to listen and everything about their actual story just just subverts what you had assumed and you realize that that's you know that that's the problem with assumptions is they're never um they're never going to be in line with what's really going on with someone where someone has really been and what they've been through and um yeah man i and i guess that's always been there i guess we've always had a heart for the characters yeah and i guess you know we, we've talked about you being a, a professor as well. I think a, a big piece of that is, you know, how do we pass that along? Um, yeah. You know, I, cause, cause one of the, my biggest regrets in my life is the fact that I haven't gotten to the point that I am, you know, whether it be socially or, you know, and some people would still disagree that, you know, maybe I'm not where I should be, but how, you know, how, how can we, try to, you know, kind of pass that forward to younger generations and, and, you know, our kids and, and those things appropriately to, to be able to facilitate that, that open and honest conversation and getting to know people and, you know, and understanding them and, and not, you know, judging that book by its cover to use it, you know, old one. Um, but at the same time, you know, just it being realistic, because sometimes I feel like, um, you know, being too, and I don't want to use the word liberal. I want to use the word liberal as in the pure definition, sure, sure, not sure. as it's used today, yeah. <laughs> since we're talking about words, but you know, cause how do we do that without being too forgiving and too liberal with other people's actions and everything else too? Cause you know, at some point, like you got to be nice to people and you got to, but sometimes that niceness can somehow do a whole 180 and being so nice turns into being walked all over. Yeah. Uh, you know, you know, I mean, Absolutely. I think, yeah. So I, I, how do you, how do you do that with, with what you do professionally and, and try to, you know, with your, not only with your students, but I, you're a father of many, Yeah, you know, and even more so, you know, with the kids at school too. So like, how do you, how do you, how do you see that? Yeah. I don't know. It's you, Christ was talking to his disciples once. He said, I, I need you to be shrewd as serpents, but but gentle as doves, right? And it's it's that it's that tension of um, knowing that any given person telling you something could be absolutely full of shit, right? Or or even <laughs> even more more uh, sinister, they they could be manipulating you, or they they could be trying to uh, hurt you in some way, right? And that's and that's the that's the shrewdest serpents. I mean you. you you have to acknowledge that as a reality, um, but then you also have to be as, as gentle as a dove um, in your assumptions and in, in the way that you listen. And I don't, man. I, I, my wife would tell you I, I can't read a room to save my life. So I, t- I tend just, just as a, as a rule of thumb to like lean towards the gentleness, um, which has gotten me in trouble. I mean, I've been gentle where where shrewdness would have been the better play, or I've been trusting. Um, where a little bit of discernment um, and distancing would have would have protected me, um, but it's but we have to. I feel like this is going back to something we talked about earlier. Um, the opposite of reduction 
is complexity, right? Is, is maybe, we maybe even say mm-hmm. paradox or contradiction. And we have to hold that contradiction in mind where it's like, I am going to go out and make myself vulnerable. And that is stupid because there are people who will seize upon that vulnerability to like hurt me. And yet um, I'm going to do it. And I'm also going to protect myself. And that's stupid because by protecting myself, um, I'm necessarily shutting people out, but I have to be ready to do either in this in this weird sort of contradiction. Um, I have to train my brain to be um, both shrewd and gentle, both um, ju- judgmental, and I, I'm using that term in the in the um, in the in the in the Hebrew sense of the word. It just means to draw a line. Right, it, it doesn't mean to condescend or to to hate or to to wish ill. It just means you get you got to judge, you got to draw a line and say, this guy I can trust, this guy I can't, or this I believe, this I don't believe. So you have to make some judgments, but then you also have to be humble enough to say, my judgments aren't. They may be worth nothing. I I could be dead dead wrong on everything, and if someone has a different judgment than me, can I at least listen to it? And can I be open to the possibility? That's something I, I say a lot of times. I, I, I teach students who are so sure of their own convictions. And I just say, can I invite you? Can I just invite you to this possibility? Could, could you just be open to the possibility that this other view, different as it may seem, is, is also valid or uh, could complicate your view in, a, in an interesting way? And I don't think we're trained to think like that at all. I think, I think back to our original point, I think we're trained in how do I reduce both fact and feeling into something that serves me, into something that's like um, a utility for like my, my own goals. Um, and so that, that's the best I got, man. I don't, I don't know. That, I don't know that. Uh, I, I hope some of that sinks in with my students I know that I'm I'm the last person who should be preaching it because I I constantly, you know, am, am too shrewd and too judgmental, and then I'm also too too generous and too trusting, and I, I've both of those both both of those proclivities have gotten me in trouble over time. But I'm trying constantly to live in that tension and say what is what does this moment need? What does this person need? Um, so that's that's it, man. That's my that's my formula. Sounds a lot like divergent thinking, Tony. Mm, I do like that. <laughs> like, he always brings up. Well, tell, no, tell me more about that. I don't know much about divergent thinking. Oh, I mean, I think you're doing it, man. And so for me, it, it goes like just not being in a box, man. Yeah. It's it's an e- even education going, hey, you have to solve this math problem in this particular way. Like, I think that, uh, I think that stymies, um, that creativity and who kids could be. Yes. Like, yes. Yes. You know, by keeping them in that box, man, like how do we know that there's not like you just shut down another Einstein, you shut down another Nikola Tesla, like because you didn't let them solve a math problem the way that they otherwise would have done it, which yeah. created something else. And they, they would have gone, Oh, boom, this lit up in my brain. Like now I'm going to do this. I'm going to do, I'm going to do this in literature. I'm going to do this in science. I'm going to do this in, in health, whatever. So, I just, I don't know, man. I, I, I love that that divergent thing because I, I think, 
I think you've always kind of been a divergent thinker, man, which was what drew me to you. I'm like, mm, this guy's kind of an aberration. Like you don't, you don't meet a lot of that human being. And I, I think I'm that same way. Like I, I just, I don't, you know, the ceilings are fine if it's raining, but like, I, <laughs> I, I, don't, I like that. I don't, ceilings are fine if it's raining. <laughs> like I, I don't want that ceiling, man. Like I just, yeah. I want to keep going. Um, so, and I think that that, and this is probably going to be another, this will be a conversation with a, uh, I don't know if she's a, I don't know who she is, but I, I know she has an idea like, on the paradigm of education, but I think too, man, that, that it, like ADHD has increased because of that convergent thinking, because, you know, we haven't s- stepped back and gone, mm, maybe kids need to be stimulated in a different way. Like maybe we need to do something with class size or do something with the way we introduce a subject. And, I, and I'm not saying that that is professor's fault or teacher's fault or even the state's fault for that matter. But it's, it's conversations that, you know, and maybe they've been had and I wasn't privy to these conversations or I'm not in education, but I think it just limits people so much, man. And I, I'm not a limiter. I like, if you have an idea, let's roll with this idea. Uh, if you want to take a chance, you know, and, and hopefully it's a calculated risk, Dude, let's let's go. Let's do it. Let's see what happens at the end of it. It might, you know, end up tremendously terrible. Like, but at the end of it, we can learn from it, and at least we did it. Like our journey, our trip that you and me did for Gulfport, dude. It it, it could have been terrible. Like I dropped out of college. I called I called this man right here, and I said, "What are you doing?" And he's like, ah, "I'm just I'm waiting to go to Clemson." I said, "No, dude. What are you doing with your life?" And I said, "Dude, getting your." piece of crap honda come down here pick me up and we're leaving we're going and and it could have been absolutely terrible but it ended up being something amazing and we didn't stay within that box i didn't stay at college you know you didn't stay home and and study or prepare or whatever for clemson dude we just left and we just lived and we got the hell out of that box yeah we we went man and even even the journey down like Every step of that trip was so divergent, man. Like, we didn't take the highway. I had a I had an old school map, which kids don't even know what to do with maps anymore. Hardly <laughs> anyone does, man. Like, I, I love maps, yeah. man. I love maps. And I said, we're going to take every flipping back road that we can take. And along the way, like, well, dude, what was that field we stopped in? Do you remember that? South, we stopped South in a field. field. South Field. South Field. Yeah. We stopped in this field because we didn't take – the convergent path on the highways that most people would have taken because it was more convenient. It was faster. It was easier. And dude, you could pluck the stars out of the sky. You were so close to them because it was, it was dark. There was hours, hours of no other traffic on the road. And I don't know, man, I just going, I think we need more divergent thinkers and I think we need to encourage more divergent thinking. Yeah, well, it sounds it's and I I hadn't heard that term before you shared it. It sounds like a thinking uh, more taken with with faith of of what could happen as opposed to fear of what might happen. Um, I I had a class. I was teaching George Orwell's essay at uh, shooting an elephant, right? Which is this great yeah. essay about race and about power and about like herd instinct versus like individual conviction. And I thought it would be a home run. I'm like, this is gonna, and it was early in the semester and my kids, and my, my, I shouldn't call them kids. My students, my young adults at Charleston Southern are great. I mean, they, 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 
They do their reading. They come to class. They're, they're super respectful. Zero discipline issues. Zero attitude. Um, they make my job very easy, but I couldn't get them to, to talk. I'd, I'd, point, yeah. I'd point to a moment in the text and I'd say, uh, what do you think about this? Like, what, what is, What's working here? What, uh, what is Orwell asking us to think about or feel? And it was just crickets. And I sort of took off my teacher hat. And I was like, yo, this is awkward. Like, what, what is going, if you didn't read, tell me you didn't read. And like, I can, yeah. I can click into lecture mode True. and deliver it. But like, this is uncomfortable. Here. Yeah. Well, yeah. I think he's a, is it George or doesn't he, the guy that the, uh, modern man in search of the soul or, or is that different? I don't know. Oh, well, is, uh, is most people know him from 1984 84, or, yeah. uh, animal farm. But um, so, uh, maybe I'm thinking of somebody else. I <laughs> might be thinking so, of some. Yeah, maybe that's Huxley. Maybe. No, he was a Swedish philosopher. I think he was early. Maybe he's early 1900s. Sorry. Yeah. Total, no. Just, <laughs> total off track there. I I just I, I wasn't familiar with the uh, the article you're talking about. So I know what I was thinking of was the guy with is very complex in his, yeah. his writing, and you read it and you go, that means something. I just, I'm just not sure what it is, but it's like, you know what I mean? So I apologize. No, you're I'll, good. I'll you're good. It. Read, <laughs> you know, ha- shooting an elephant. It's, it's a clean read. It's a good read. Um, but they wouldn't talk about it. And I said, can you just be honest with me? Like, why, why are we so quiet today? And they said, in, in so many words, about three or four kids spoke up and it was, I'm afraid, I'm afraid of being wrong. I'm afraid of, of being inarticulate. I'm, af- yeah. I'm afraid that I don't have the definitive meaning, right? Or I guess you were using the term convergent meaning. And um, I said, listen, what if what if instead of starting your sentences with, you know, the text is doing this or Orwell means this or the meaning of this, instead of that reductive definitive thinking, what if you just said one way we might read this or one thing that's possibly going on here? Like, would that make you more comfortable? And they're like, yeah, that would make me more comfortable. I said to do it. And it it opened up this conversation like weeks later we were we were talking about Colin Kaepernick, right? Mm-hmm. And it it was so cool to see students say one way we might understand this moment is this or one another way to read this moment is this or you know one thing we might want to connect this to or one thing that could we could view this moment through is this as opposed to just saying Colin Kaepernick is fill in the blank. What was going on here oh, is, yeah. cause it's again, that, that, that sort of singular thinking, a, it's really not something that you can quantify like in an empirical sense. And B, it just divides, right? It just divides yeah. yes. into, yes. you know, this side <laughs> thinks Colin Kaepernick is a, is a crook and a thug. And this side thinks he's a martyr and a hero. And, you know, then, then we're sort of at war as opposed to just saying, Geez, I think a lot's going on in this moment, and it's really interesting to think about how how might we think about Colin Kaepernick? How might we think about a way to get down to to Gulfport, Mississippi? You know, it, it opens it opens possibilities instead of shutting them down, right? Yeah, that's so important. I think, and that's oh, there's so oh man, you just blew my yeah, mind. Yeah, man, yeah, so much to unpack there, and then, and I that's I'm a huge proponent of that, and. Like I said, I, I can't articulate it properly, but the, the sharing of ideas yeah, and it's not, this is what he means or this is what he doesn't mean. It's, and because guess what? 
he wrote, you know, you talk about George Orwell and I was thinking about, um, Carl Jung. Oh, yeah. Or see, yeah. Different, completely different person. Um, but it's not what he means by the words. I think it goes back to our conversation about the music and the writing. It's what does this mean to you? Yeah. You know, maybe he didn't, maybe he didn't write that sentence to mean a specific thing. You know, maybe he didn't write the, you know, uh, and I, I wrote it down, so I'm going to have to check it out to shoot an elephant. Is that to shoot an elephant or shooting shoot, of an shoot, elephant? Shoot, that- yeah, shooting an elephant. Shooting an elephant. Um, you know, maybe he didn't write that to mean a specific thing. Yeah. Maybe. The, the he, 10 palms and now you've got the 11th one? Yeah, yeah maybe it was, absolutely. what's the 11th one? You know, what's it mean to you? And I think we've, and that's, I think what we've lost is nobody is, not nobody, but so many people these days are so afraid to say, well, have you thought about it like this? Be, not because I, I think it originates from not because they think they're going to be stupid or they think they're going to say something stupid, but the person on the other end that's receiving it is going to lash out at them. Yeah. You know what I mean? And I think that's what it is. Like, and I think that's why this, once again, we'd started doing this. And it was like, when we started, it was, I think even in one of the podcasts for a couple episodes, I had an intro that was saying, allow us to say some stupid shit. Yeah. Please. Yeah. Like, yeah. Cause we're just talking. So let <laughs> us say something stupid and then call me out on it. Yeah. So we can discuss it. And so I know why it's stupid or you could call me out on something and go, and I, and I go, Oh, well, that's not what I meant at all. I'm sorry. Yeah. I just, I just said the wrong word. Yeah. There we go. Problem solved, you know, but no one lets people do that anymore. So I think that's a beautiful thing is, you know, be wrong, please be wrong because then you can figure out where right is. Yeah, that's good, man. I heard a, I heard a pastor say recently that um, the word patient, like as in most modern translations, um, it, it the word used to be translated as long suffering, as in, like you're you're willing yeah, you're willing to, yeah that's willing really to specific there someone, uh, for a long yeah. time and I think of, yeah. I mean we can say we need to be more patient with one another or more sensitive with one another I think we need to be more long suffering it's like yeah Fred will you will you let me say some stupid wrong headed things and will you just suffer yeah. them long enough a for us to build a relationship even if we even if we come out on the other end of the conversation still entrenched in our, our separate views, like at least we have some credibility with each other. At least we have some history. Uh, yeah. But will you, will you suffer me? Will you suffer me long enough um, so that maybe one or both of us could could be reoriented through this conversation? And it's hard. I get it. We Listen, we don't, we don't want to suffer uh, views different than ours. We don't want to – we really don't want to suffer. I, I think what I noticed the most – um, in sort of this right, left, liberal, conservative thing is we're not willing to suffer um, the dispositions, right? Like there's a there's a disposition that comes with most conservatives where it's very factual and it seems cold to the left, and there's a disposition from the left that seems uh, very wild and 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 uh, passionate, and that's sort of emotional, right? But we don't want to suffer that. We just want to write them off as like you know, the evil patriarchy and then like the, the radical Marxists right. and it's look, suffering's not fun, <laughs> but what's the alternative yeah. war? <laughs> yeah. More suffering, more suffering. 
Yeah, you know, I think that's and that's a good point too. It and to me, like you said, suffer me long enough to at least understand wh- where I'm coming from yeah. and why I believe what I believe. You know, I think that's a that's a big that's a big factor that the two things is people aren't willing to try to understand why somebody believes what they believe and they're not willing to give them the room to explain the you know in their own mind their legitimacy yeah. of what they believe and then finally hey we can still walk away <laughs> and and disagree yeah. we can agree to disagree and not hate each other yeah just you know and and but i think that's a hard hard thing for a lot of people is well they have to be right and I'm one of those people that I'm not good at being wrong. I'm not. But you know what? If if you tell me why I'm wrong and you can explain it to yeah. me and answer my questions and we can have a, a you know, a conversation and not scream at each other and you, you know, start throwing insults, you know, and be respectful of each other, I'll, I might still walk away and think I'm right. But at least I can respect you enough to have a conversation next time. You know, and I think that's, that's, I think that's what's really hurting us yes. as humans these days. I, and I don't know, I don't know how to, to not, you know, to, to fix that, especially with, there's so many proponents, proponents with social media and, you know, narratives, because I mean, you watch the news, depending on what channel you watch, you get a certain narrative and I'm, and that's, you go, you know, just politically, you talked about left, right. Everyone has their own narratives, sure. you know, their story, the other story and somewhere in between, like, where do we, how, how can we come together? I don't, I don't know, but it's, it's just sad because it's like so many people spend so much time harboring that hate and anger and I've been there and maybe that's why I understand the hate because it's, I've been there. That's exhausting. Yeah. It's yeah. exhausting. Yeah. Like, and it's, it's and, it, like, and and it, and it's it's so exhausting that in that exhaustion, you may be tempted to pull up a social media site where other exhausted people who share your view offer you what seems like encouragement and validation, which yeah. refills you enough to go like, right. yeah. So it, it it we are caught up in a very strange cycle. I wonder if the fix is going to happen on a local, like on a provincial level. Um, and I, I, what I mean by that, and this is a, a super uh, isolated example, but I remember when the George Floyd stuff was going on this summer, and it was a very – so, like, I was I was between jobs. I was actually between moves. Mm-hmm. I had accepted a job down in Charleston, uh, great position, but we, we were sort of packing up, and we were uh, preparing for that move, but we hadn't moved yet. Um, and, again, when something like that happens – it's almost like a failure of imagination. We don't want to talk about what might be going on or, or you know, the, the various factors. We want to say this is what's going on and it, and it has always gone on and it's, you know, the, the blame lies with this person. And both sides kind of construct this really reductive um, narrative. And I remember trying to process it all. I mean, like everyone else, I'm, I'm confronted with these images and I'm trying to fit it with what I know of our history and with what I know of my experience. And I kind of came to a point where I spent way too much time on my phone for like three days in a row. 
And you know it when you, I mean, it's like eating junk food for three days in a row. You feel, you feel it. Like you feel like this is yeah. not, Oh yeah. this is not healthy. It's not healthy for my body. Mm-hmm. It's not healthy for my mind. And um, I think, I think a lot of people are going through that all year long. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's, just, it's, it's crazy. So I just, and again, this is, forgive me if this sounds like I'm making light of a, a, a systemic or historical issue, but I just said, you know what? Um, I have black friends. I'm going to call one and go get a beer and I'm just going to, I'm just, I'm going to buy the beers and I'm going to be kind and I'm going to connect. And does that solve like a historical or systemic problem? No. Does it, does it clear up the narrative that the, the media is spinning? No, but it's like, it's a local, it's a small thing that you can do. And I wonder if that's going to be, you, you spend enough time on the internet and you think that you, you think that this digital world is real and you think that it's like something you can control and you can't, right. man, you can't. But what you can control is like, you know, who's in your phone? Who can you buy? A, who can you buy a bourbon for? Who can you go help rake leaves? I mean, is there someone is there someone in your local sphere that you can go connect with? And I don't know what you're solving, but I know that it's better than looking at your phone. <laughs> yeah. No, absolutely. Yeah. I think that's part of the, you know, like we had discussion, what we're doing here is just, man, just obviously we, we don't get the, you know, both ways, the communication when someone's just listening to the podcast, but it's kind of one of those things to me, as long as on, on those kind of lines is, you know, Hey, just because we're white dudes doesn't mean we're bad. Yeah. You know, cause there's a lot of that narrative out there and I'm not trying to like, I'm not trying to preach on that because a lot of white dudes are really, sure, bad. man. Sure. And, and historically white dudes have had it really good just because they're white dudes. So like, you know, but just because, you know, one thing is historically, you know, true more often than not, that doesn't mean it continues to perpetuate, right? you know, you know, and it doesn't mean that it lives inside every single person. And it, you know, I think that's, it's just, we just want to try to connect with people in that. And like you said, that local connection of people, like, I think that's, that's a huge thing that people just, man, if, if we could all just realize that we're all just, just trying to all live happy yeah. and trying to, you know, survive, trying to take care of our families, you know, every single person around the entire world, no matter which country they're from, race, religion, whatever it is, they just want to be happy. You know, I heard a, I was listening to a podcast, it was a couple weeks ago where someone um, had spent time with, it was tribes in somewhere um, where they, they were hunter gatherers essentially. Um, And you know, their, their greatest day, like when the person asked them like, Hey, what's like the happiest day of your life? You know, um, you know, I feel like a lot of, a lot of people these days, depending on the age, you'd be like, Oh, and I got that one thing for Christmas, <laughs> you know, whatever it is. Um, but you know, they said, you know, when I was able to, when kill, I kill was the biggest animal and feed I, the village. Yeah. When I was able to feed the village, yeah. like when I was able to help everybody out, like, and it, it's so weird. It goes back to the, you know, doing something selfish, but it just happens to be for other people. Like there's yeah. some kind of weird, you know, cycle there, but man, if we can just all realize it. We just, we just want our families to be healthy. We want our families, you know, to be happy. We want to be happy and we don't want to worry about someone, you know, kicking our proverbial door in and, 
you know, ruining our lives. That's it. Like, yeah. just let me live. I want to live my life happy. I don't think anybody can disagree with one, to just live a happy life. So regardless of who you are, like, you know, maybe it is on that, that local level or, you know, I, I, it's funny. I, uh, I remember thinking this morning, I, I often get really excited before we do these podcasts because, you know, we get to talk to somebody and, you know, it's, we've talked to a lot of really cool people. We have a lot of really cool people lined up that I'm really excited for. Um, you know, and last week I had, you know, we had a, a guy on that was just, he was just a friend from my past. Um, but he's just super chill, relaxed, willing to talk about anything. He's just one of those just really good hearted people. And I told my wife, I said, I'm like, I'm really excited right now. And it's not even like a famous, he's not famous, like, you know, but just to talk to a good hearted person. And I started thinking about today and I was like, I was, it's funny. I was sad because I, I had some disappointment because you weren't here in person. And I, I think that's one of the biggest, I think that's, that's a weird disconnect. Like yeah. we've talked about before, like seeing you, I can see you on the screen. Um, you know, we've had some camera issues and everything else, but you know, this is better than just talking to you on the phone, but there's just something missing when you're not sitting right in front of somebody yeah. and just having that connection. Like, I think you mentioned it earlier, like, you know, maybe, maybe there's more some spatial connection to each other than what people like to give credence for. And I, I don't know what I don't know what I'm talking about. I don't know. No, no. Sounds, <laughs> so, sounds, sounds like you're trying to unite the clans, bro. That's what it sounds <laughs> like. I just, yeah. no, Fred, that that's become, that, that's become so clear to me teaching this past semester, seeing the students who chose to like meet in person and share space. And then the students who decided to attend via zoom. And just to be clear, like when they attend via zoom, they, we can't make them turn their cameras on. Um, you're sort of, or I am at least, because I'm so used to like being in a moment as we're in a moment now and like talking, I'm really not the best at like scrolling through the chat and saying like, all right, Allie, do you have any thoughts on, you know, I'm not good at like engaging, <laughs> sure. but right. it, they're, they're very much, I think you're right to think about it in terms of connectedness. Like I had um, completely normal and completely great connections with students who sat in a room with me, even though they were wearing masks and I had this big piece of plexiglass, you know, between us, um, we, we did some really great work together. We had some really great moments and some generative discussions. And I can't tell you how many kids on, on zoom, I wouldn't know them if I, if I crossed them in the street. You know, I don't, right. you know, I don't know what their voice sounds like. I don't know what their face looks like. I know what they're writing. I mean, they, they submitted stuff. Um, but yeah, it's very, you're, you're really, you're really limited in terms of how you can connect if, if you're not at the fire, at that bonfire, you know, sharing that space together. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, even now, like I know we had some camera issues yeah. a, a little bit ago. Um, I was, I, I was listening and I heard everything you saying, but like I found myself like trying to figure something out. So, because I knew like that visual helps, yeah. but it was like, I now just thinking about it, it's like, I feel like I lost a little piece of that and, it, and that makes me sad, <laughs> but you know, but I, you know, I guess like moving forward, I just, you know, 
where do we go from here? I know we, we can, I know we've kind of hammered the, the COVID thing and, and, it, and it is a disconnect and man, I wish we could, I just, I hear, I remember at the beginning people saying like, Oh, like, you know, it's, you're doing it, you're doing damage to these kids that are in school and having this, this social interaction and, you know, all these things. And, you know, I'm not much of a social being, like I said, in the beginning, I'm, I'm, I'll subscribe to the introvert. Mm-hmm. Um, I like being home. I was like, when I was like, I don't have to go to the office. I can hang out at home all day and do my work. And I don't have to like, and now like I have a reason to not go hang out with people. Sign me up. <laughs> you know, but even that's me. That's yeah. Me. But like a yeah, year later, me. like I'm still great. I'm still happy. I'm still enjoying my yeah. family and what we're doing. But I, I understand how some people that are much more social than I am. And especially my, my, my child, you know, she loves, loves, loves school. Obviously, only child. So she loves it even more because she gets to interact with, you know, other kids more. And it's like, you know, maybe these people have a point, you know, we, we need some interaction and especially doing it, you know, this podcast and everything. It's, there's something to our beings that need, you know, that, that person to person interaction with other people. It, and I, I don't know what it is, you know, I'm, I'm not professing to, to understand it all, but there is something to it. And I think maybe hopefully this year moving forward that we'll see that as a, uh, you know, a human race and, you know, be able to do something positive with that and understanding that we're just all trying to get through. (laughs) That sounds like an end note, man. What a, what a great note to, um, to conclude on. We're, We're all just trying to get through. Yeah. Well, I mean, we, yeah. we can, I mean, unless you got something additional, I know it's, it's super bummer. We've been talking for over three hours, but yeah, technical difficulties. Um, you know, if, if you got a, if you got a role, we can, we can call it and maybe, um, we can adjust this a little bit and we can do another talk again someday soon. I think we should. Yeah. And I think, I think I know what we need to uh, address in our next one. So I, I gather, Fred, that you're you're a bit of a conspiracy guy. You're you're into um, you're, you're oh, let me let me let me rephrase. You're you're, o- you're open you're open to alternate explanations. Yes, thank think, you. That's that's what it yeah, is. Man. It's not conspiracies. So I, I am open to alternative I explanations. Tony. I, am too. I like that. <laughs> I am too. Yeah, I am too. And I think maybe one of the things we can talk about um, if. And I would take this as an assumption. I would take this as a fairly self-evident assumption. If we all know um, that we need each other, right? If we all know that uh, at the end of the day, across race, across gender, across political persuasion, you know, we, we, are, we are trying to survive and that we need to do that together, we may want to talk about, and again, this may veer into the, the conspiracy realm, you know, are there organizations out there um invested in keeping us from acting on that in other words are there are there organizations out there invested in he's going dividing he's going deep tony (laughs) listen i think it's i think i gotta i've i'm i'm minor league as far as cryptozoology and conspiracy however i hang out with some um some true blue theorists and so they they uh 
Yeah, I, I enjoy thinking about that as 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 I do many of those many of those theories. So maybe maybe for the next talk, and I hope there is a next talk, man. I love me know right back. now. We'll we'll schedule yes, it on air so you can't back, back out. <laughs> I'm just messing. I think we I think we scratched the surface of some really important stuff. But yeah, that that's something to think about, man. If we all know this, um, uh, is. Are we taking that knowledge out into a neutral realm where like the division we see is because of misunderstanding or just like basic human brokenness? Or are there actual organizations and forces out there that want to keep people from having that realization? In other words, want to divide into tribes and divide into um, into groups? Uh, it, it's, it's, it's worth a chat, man. Yeah, I mean, I think I'll even add on to that where – there's a little bit of both and yeah. maybe the potential of that. We know that, you know, we like to think that we're some advanced crazy species and for what we can see, I mean, we're as good as it gets. And then people go, well, we're not that great. So we're not that good. Okay. And there's people that are smart enough that I would suggest that, um, even on a person to person level, um, exploit the the chinks in you know our armor as, sure. as humans and and on our lack of you know or you know our potential to get upset at certain things there's people you know we're, we're just i think we're just smart enough to realize that we can be manipulated and people do that yeah. on purpose you know what i mean so yeah. it's like this weird thing where we're not maybe as smart and awesome as we think we are, but we're, we're smart and awesome enough to realize that we're not as smart and awesome as we think we are. So we were able to exploit, you know, those, those things in our fellow, our fellow humans. Yeah. We're the, we're the audience member at a magic show that says, I know there's a sleight of hand going on here, but I, I didn't quite catch it. I, I know <laughs> yeah. something, something's not right. I'm, 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 I'm under some kind of spell, but I can't, I'm not, I'm smart enough to know that, but I'm not quite smart enough to tell you how he's doing right. it. And then the magician knows that. So he plays on it even more to make you think that he's actually doing magic. <laughs> exactly. Which is the greatest clue, right? If we know where the magician wants us to look, then we know where he doesn't want us to look. Right. Unless right? he's so good we- to, to know that, to backplay that, to know he doesn't, <laughs> it's a whole cycle. <laughs> So the media is not fake. The media is actually true now. No. <laughs> um, yeah, it's it's um, that'll be the next one, man. We got it. We got to talk about oh, that. We'll talk about and addition. Yeah, additionally, I'm really interested. Um, you said something earlier. You said uh, you indicated like this eagerness to believe. You know, if somebody tells you, you know, that the Earth is flat, your knee jerk response isn't. Come on, man. That's ridiculous. It's what? talk to me. It's it. And that, that's that's my that's my knee jerk uh, position as well is is just one of openness. And so I'm interested in that psychology is like, is there a is there a a gene or is there a thought pattern that that um, is is more eager to believe and therefore more open to theories about, you know, Bigfoot? Aliens, uh, Loch Ness. What, what, what have you? Um, yeah, man. Yeah. So listen, listen to a song before before the next meeting. It's by a, a, a singer songwriter out of Winnipeg. His name is John K. Sampson, and he wrote a song called Bigfoot 
about a Bigfoot <laughs> enthusiast. And the best line in the song is, um, the visions I believe, I'm sorry, the visions that I see believe in me. Oh. The visions that I see believe in me. Oh. And so think, think about a lot of times when we talk about whether it's religious faith or conspiracy theory, we only we only think about it from the perspective of the believer, right? This this guy who thinks the earth is uh, flat or this guy who thinks he's talking to God when he prays. Uh, we, we don't often think about psychologically what's being offered to that person from this object of faith or this object of belief so i don't know man we we can uh we can crack that can open next time yeah well hopefully uh next time it's uh in person in a cabin uh, where we do music and a podcast you down for that yeah man i'll make it happen i gotta get my chops back i i gave when when we finished that uh i gave my brother my brother had just finished his his recovery program or stage one of it and um, he was in stage two, which afforded a little bit more freedom. And he, he, he was looking for a guitar. And so I gave him mine. I hadn't played a, I, I've not touched a guitar since we, since we were no. in that cabin. Yeah, man. No, do we, I mean, we will send you a guitar. <laughs> I mean, I will, that, I feel like that's a, that's a noble, I will buy you a guitar right now. I don't It'll, even, I probably shouldn't, but I would. <laughs> like, oh, no. I feel like you I can, need a guitar can, in your hands. I could get my hands on one. It'll it'll come back, man. It's as you know, it's like riding a bike. Yeah. It'll come back, but we we have to make music again, man. We we didn't get into that uh, during this conversation, but I think some really, I think some really unique things happened on that trip. Yep. Yeah. And uh, I still I still recall it very fondly. It uh, it was it was so fortuitous for me. I was at a at a real low point. This was before I did my grad programs, and I was. I was working the worst job I've ever had. I was I was, I was drinking as heavily as I've ever uh, drank. I was really I needed that. I mean, it was it was a sort of lifeline for me, and um, I still listen to the music and I hear I hear that I hear like I hear the sound of people getting together and needing what was taking place in that space because they were all going back to something that was. Uh, not deadly, but maybe, maybe a little less magical. Yeah. There, I, 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 I have no words. I'm not even going to try to attempt to describe it and, and just, but it just, there was something that, that happened that, that time frame, And I feel like I have that in my last probably 10 years where there's these moments in time where yes. I, yeah. I can go back to and say that point was when this changed for me. And like, if it wasn't for this, than this, it was kind of like uh, um, I used to play a lot of video games. I feel like it's like a video game where, like, as you take the steps, like the the step forms in front of you, and sometimes yeah. sometimes yeah. it's flat, you know, or sometimes you take a step up. And that was, I can say, that was one time in my life where that was a step up. It was it was a step, or was it, you know, it was a doorway into a new thing. It was it was a you know a a step to a different dimension, you know, in in my yes. life for sure. And it's it's weird that not weird. Maybe it's, maybe it's super weird. I don't know. Um, the fact that, you know, it was with, you know, two people that I'd never seen before seen in my life. And I haven't seen in person yeah. since one of them apparently <laughs> is moving to Ohio and here we are with another one. Um, I, I, unless people have that kind of, you know, thing that's happened to them, I don't think you can really understand that. But uh, we yeah. hope to, to hope to see you again soon. I'd rather see you on here 
very soon than wait till be in person. But I think we need a. I'll, I'll make it happen. You, bro, I'm the matchmaker. I'll make it happen. Yeah, I got a vacation to use. <laughs> so so. I, I will make it happen. So we'll, we'll talk <laughs> about right. some dates, brother. Definitely appreciate you. Love you, man. Love everything you're doing. And I, I look forward to seeing uh, seeing you continue creating that art that comes alive and uh, and touches people. So Yeah, keep us posted. Let us know. We'll uh, make sure to talk about it because it, you're a, a special creature on this planet, man. Listen, guys, I love I love y'all too. They thank you for having me. I'm 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 so grateful. And this was I don't know this this was much needed, and I, I appreciate you. Keep 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 doing this work, man. Keep making this space and starting these fires. And uh, Tony, we'll, we'll talk about a date. We'll talk about the next next bonfire. Absolutely, fantastic. The next bonfire, I like that. Thanks. All right, guys. Have a Play good one, Dan. Yep, we'll see you around.